Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 329th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings and joining me on the call we have Andy Patterson and Donny Baseball, glorious return. Talk about a skeleton crew tonight. We're, we're close to digging up a few graveyards for a panel at the moment. Maybe Xanax Dave and Seb will be en route, but it's a busy time of year. We've made it here. We'll be on for an hour or so. If nothing else, Brapping Rob Kelly is supposed to be joining us as well. Interesting fights over the weekend. Not a great deal of quality, but we saw Richard Comey. We saw Jamal Charlo. There were other bits and pieces over in Italy. Paul Highland, MTK Show as well. We'll be talking about them later. Nothing of any great interest next week. Only a couple of questions. Welcome to you all in the chat. Warm good evening to you. Wherever you're listening to us, you might be listening later on in the week on iTunes, YouTube or whatever. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Let's get stuck into it then, shall we, Andy? We'll start off with Demetrius Andrade, the Dunkin' Donuts Centre in Providence, Rhode Island. I always thought Rhode Island sounded quite nice, actually. Maybe I'll get there one day. Been to Boston, never quite made it over to Rhode Island. Anyway, enough of that. Demetrius Andrade shutting out Matthias Selecki. Selecki reminded me of a skinnier, skinnier version of former Northern Irish heavyweight Scott Ding Ding Belshaw. He, he has a go. He's tough. He's a decent boxer, the pole, but he's, he's technically limited, I thought. And... What I'll say about Andrade, a few people will look at him and saying, oh, he's not great. I mean, he's okay. He starts quite fast and then he usually slows down. But this time I thought he maintained the pace quite well, Andy. He's going to be hard to beat, I think. He wins rounds, he coasts, he's comfortable in that sort of defensive shell. He's difficult to catch clean. He's a bit of a spoiler. He's going to be tough to beat. He can be tough to beat. I think he's, um, last night he just had too much his own way, too much confidence or comfortable. he was just too comfy, I think. Um didn't really kind of care um, as to how he sloppy looked skill-wise and stuff like that. But, you know, as you say, he shut out the pole, who technically limited, but also shown now that's the last two fights I can think of. That he's shown maybe he's not got the greatest resistance when it comes to kind of getting, you know, taking shots. He's, he gets dropped he's a few times that, uh, through fights and stuff. But, um, you know, other than saying is he's, he's done his job pretty fast. Like, there's three things usually, you know, basically kind of confirmed in life now. Death, taxis, and de- Demetrius Andre, they go and practically 12 rounds every fight. You want to see me kind of switch up a little bit. He is going to be very difficult to beat. I know we've got a question here about Billy Joe's honours, for example, but um, again, I think it's got... I, I, I was talking to Tom earlier on and stuff like that. I think it could be a while before I watch Andrade again, unless it's, he's fighting someone that's like someone of any significance or a fight that's actually going to mean something because he does nothing for me. Um, and I'm going back a few years with him now, actually. He does nothing really... It, it sounds negative, Matt. You know, he's done his job... But at the same time, he just he just doesn't kind of you know float my boat. You know, he is, as you say, difficult, tricky southpaw. He was like his hands goes and flurries that there last night and that as well. You know, and I suppose the other thing we could give him as well. He's had a quick turnaround the fights. He's active. That's about the main thing. But I want to see unification fights now. Um, and I want to see him kind of step up and you know type of opponents. I don't know if they would entertain a Saunders fight again. Um, unless it's a mandatory defence and stuff. You know, obviously we've got the weekend up issue with Hearn and, and Warren sort of contend with there but um, yeah I suppose he moves on to the next fight and that but uh, who and who against I really don't know but um, all I can see really say is congratulations to him he had a shutout victory 120 he was at 107 or 106 across the cards and that so um, yeah, yeah he dropped Selecki in the first didn't he Andy that yeah. created the, the 120 107 across the board you could have maybe given Selecki around two rounds at the absolute maximum I thought it was pretty one sided probably the last two rounds I mean because I gave up after, after nine ten rounds um, as I say it was just kind of rinse and repeat and um, I say it's like if you get your opponent unless you've got you're not a noted puncher or You've got hand issues. 
I want to see him kind of like get his opponent out of there. Um, he just showed he was class above the guy, you know. So, um, again, as I say, I'm, I'll let Donny come in there, I dare say, because he's not been around for a, a few a few weeks and stuff, or a, a few decades, shall we say. But, um, as I say, he's done, he done his job, professional as possible and that. But, again, he wasn't tested. He wasn't in any sort of trouble. He kind of got it all, all his own way and stuff. So, um, yeah. That's all I can say. He's, he, he done his job, but nothing impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, just as we bring Donny in, I've seen Andrade box up close and personal that time against Walter caught on Dokwa, and he's a really strange proposition, Donny, the way Andrade fights. He's quite tall, but he crouches low. He has that awkward body style, and Selecki was trying to throw the left hook, but Andrade, Donny, sort of slides off to the side and it, it flows past him. He's, he's awkward to catch clean, I think. You're going you're gonna to have to come up with some kind of a style. I don't know, maybe um, duck at the waistline or something. As Emmanuel Stewart used to tell his fighters, bring those punches down, hit Andrade in the chest if you yeah, uh, that would be a, a thought. Yeah, or um, yeah, try to get to his body. I mean, he is—he is really awkward, um, and his height and his reach and being a southpaw for that uh, for that division is—I uh, I think it does pose problems. Um, and he's not the most exciting fighter in the world, uh, and especially once he reached top level, he really stopped knocking people out. I don't think he has tremendous power, so he's kind of in that. Who needs him, Club? In other words, he said last night, I think in his post-fight interview, that uh, that Selecki was top ten, and he's like, you know, I'm beating top ten guys, and I'm active, and you know, he and and now he is, you know, for a while his the biggest problem in his career was chronic inactivity, but now in fact he is active, um, and he said this is his third fight in eight months, um, and so I think he is doing what he needs to do uh, to be considered, but the thing is, is that because he's not doing it, and it's like hugely you know, emphatic fashion, it's, it's hard to get people to, uh, you know, to, to demand the, the big fights for you. And I think because he's so awkward, I don't think Canelo or GGG are going to want to touch him with a 10 foot pole, to be honest with you. Um, even though they're all on the same zone platform. So in fact, they really have no excuse for not fighting him. If, if, if Canelo and GGG aren't going to fight each other, I do want to see one or both of them take this test. Um, it may not be the best fight or it may be a good fight because, you know, sometimes when you have those contrasting styles, uh, it does make for a good fight. In other words, you know, you need a come forward guy uh, to maybe put a guy who likes to fight off the back foot and use his length and his jab, um, you know, and his rangeiness. You know, it, 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 it kind of brings the best out of both guys. So maybe that would create a good fight for him. But uh, like Andy said, he goes, I want to see the big fights for him now. But do you really see one of the big names in the division wanting to take him on? Personally, I don't. Uh, even though, you know, there's no reason why it shouldn't happen. I mean, the only reason why it shouldn't happen is if, if Canelo and GGG are busy fighting each other yet again, you know, for the third time. And I don't have a problem with that. I would welcome that fight. But if they're not going to fight each other, I would like them to see to take this this challenge. You know, Winky Wright never provided for, you know, a particularly uh, uh, aesthetically pleasing fights or whatever, but he was, he was goddamn good. And, you know, and you had to go through him if you wanted to call yourself the man. Um, and... Uh, and for a while, he you know he reigned supreme in his division. Uh, so I'd I'd like to I'd like to see them fight fight Andrade. Uh, I've been high on him for like a long time, by the way. I went to school in Rhode Island, and so uh, you know uh, I've seen some of his fights when he was coming up, even in the amateurs when I was young. And uh, you know, and then his career just sort of really just went on you know some sort of off track where he just wasn't active and he wasn't getting the fights and. He had promotional problems and managerial problems, but he's still a young man. 
and uh, you know he's still he's still clearly uh, I think at the uh, the height of his powers. So you know I'd like to see him mix it up with the big names. Uh, you know not only to see what he's got, but also to test to test those other guys against something they probably haven't seen uh, before. Yeah, I'm liking that Ronald Winky Wright comparison there from Donny. I suppose the good thing is Wright had to go on the road. He was a, the the archetypal road warrior. He ended up in South Africa fighting the likes of Harry Simon. Came over to the UK fought guys like Ensley Bingham, who's a really talented fighter. It wasn't until towards the end of his career when Wright really got the recognition that he deserved. As for Andrade, he's more active now, but he's also on zone. So hopefully, zone John Skipper will say, "Look, you're con- contracted to us for a reason. We want you to fight." Canelo or Triple G and vice versa. If we're going to be paying you $20, $30 million, you're going to have to at least fight the best in the division. And love him or hate him, like his style or not, Andre does a WBO title. So he's got to get in the mix at some place and they're going to have to make those fights. So hopefully John Skipper will force them. Uh, everybody in the chat are pretty active tonight. Welcome to you all. Mike Wigan has said Andre doesn't have enough power at the elite level, which seems like a pretty... I don't know. If, we haven't seen him have to bring his power out, I don't think. If he's maybe struggling in a fight and it's late on and he has to plant his feet and go for it, we, we might see some power from Andre. We might see a bit of spite, a bit of bite in his punches. Because he can drop people, Donnie, early on. But then he's, he's like, I can I can drop you. I could stop you if I want. I can outclass you. I'll just sort of coast down the stretch. Maybe we will see a bit of punch power if he needs to bring it out. Yeah, it's like he's durable too. I mean, you know, um, yeah, what was interesting was is that, you know, uh, interesting, such a stark contrast to the way that I think British fighters are brought along. Uh, you know, what is Andre? I don't know what if he's 31 or whatever. Apparently in his pro career, that was the very first time he fought in his hometown, uh, which is crazy. And he brought out 8,000 fans. Uh, you know, so, and that's, uh, you know, that's, if, if you think about it, that's pretty surprising, uh, given mm-hmm. that he fought in, in his hometown, uh, you know, basically since he turned to, turned to be a professional. Um, and hopefully that will, uh, you know, show. I mean, in other words, Terence Crawford was the same way. Uh, you know, Bob Aaron would be throwing all these random casinos all throughout the Midwest, and then, you know, on undercards in Vegas or whatever. And Crawford was like, "I can build a following. Put me up in Omaha." And 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 Aram didn't want to do it. And then Crawford proved him wrong and brought out all these fans. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of times, I think these guys need to be built up locally first, and that would uh, solve a lot of problems and uh, you know create some stars. Uh, all throughout the uh, levels of boxing. So that's uh, sort of just an aside, not really relevant to what we were talking about, but I just uh, wanted to mention that. No, that was good, Donnie. Thank you for that uh, irrelevant point. T11 in the chat was mentioning Andrade's style. So he does, he bounces, he throws a shot, and then he sort of does this strange sort of kangaroo hop out of range if he doesn't want to, doesn't like being hit. I suppose nobody likes being hit, but there you go. We'll hit you with something, Andy. There's a dislike in the chat. They're not liking this content already, but sure, we'll keep going, shall we, anyway? Uh, what about... Uh, no, I'm not going to bother about Khalid Jafar. I'm not even going to talk about him. No, he's 25-0, no, 26-0, no. Nalberto Jimenez. Didn't see it. No interest whatsoever. Until he's unifying, I won't be watching Jafar. Yeah, there's someone looking on. I'm going to try and get him on now. We've got a guest coming on as well, about half eight, so we should have something something doing. Uh, just getting sidetracked, Andy. Joseph Parker. Wasn't really the greatest opponent, Alex Lepi, set for 12 rounds, managed to get rid of him in the 10th. What are we looking at Parker going forward then, Andy, do you think? You would imagine if Ruiz beats Anthony Joshua in the rematch, then it's a natural fight to make a defence for Ruiz against the guy who narrowly beat him. There's a storyline there. Parker keeps winning. Ruiz beats jo- Joshua. They might try and make that fight. Yeah, um, possible. Um, I just I've seen some comments attributed to Parker earlier on the day and stuff like that. He must be... You know, 
think he basically admitted that he's disappointed he never basically went all in for the Joshua fight when he actually when he fought him, kind of like the kind of latter half of that fight. Um, but who he fights, I'd like to see him. Um, I don't know, maybe trying to target maybe a Trevor Bryan or stuff like that. I know he's got one of the kind of fake belts and stuff, um, maybe a Kowanaki or whatever. But um, I don't really know where he goes next and stuff. Um, what have we got here? Ortiz, he's still floating about still, you know. Um, Pavetkin's had a fight pulled out in him as well. And uh, obviously Pulev's under suspension still as well, so we don't know what's going to happen with him anytime soon and that. So, um, mm, that'd be Caballero. Um, because as I say, the title situation is this, he's not going to get a world title fight anytime soon. And uh, unless Ruiz is wanting to kind of get a rematch if he beats Joshua in his rematch, if he wants a rematch with Parker and that, and then you know, good and well. But um, again, mate, it's about this heavyweight division, isn't it? It's just there's no really much inspiring fights here to be made. Which incidentally, by the way, I did notice um, Uzik. Obviously, we, we know the news about him being WBO number one, but I see the WBA have now chucked him in at number two. Just FYI, they're like... No problem. Cheers, Andy. Right, joining us on the call. This gentleman was looking on last week. Couldn't quite make it happen. What are we doing at this time? Uh, H Money, how are you, sir? I'm fine, sir. How are you doing today? I, it's a pleasure to be on this show. And I just want to tell you, I am definitely a huge fan of you, brother. I just want to know, what's your name? Uh, Steve. Steve, I'm a huge fan of you. I love the way you break down fights, and you kind of remind me of Eddie Hearn, the way you articulate boxing, and I love it. I really do. <laughs> Excellent. I'll take that as a compliment. Thanks very much. Uh, what do you want to talk about this evening? Well, I would love to talk about yesterday's fights, especially Demetrius Andrade. What a spectacular performance. He showed us great skills last night, and he showed us the power. I mean, let's think about his last three fights. Demetrius Andrade, his first fight on the zone, where he, he was supposed to face Billy Joe Saunders before Billy Joe tested positive for steroids. I mean, that fight against, it was against an African brother. He was undefeated. And Demetrius Andrade knocked him down four times in that fight. And then his next fight, he stopped his opponent. And yesterday, he scored another knockdown and won every round. Just a spectacular performance. And he I'm a huge fan of Andrade. So where's he going to go next then? What is uh, old Eddie Hearn going to do with him, do you think? I believe Eddie Hearn, the best promoter in the history of boxing. Shut He's the fuck up, you. Fucking Eddie Hearn. Eddie Hearn, the matchroom boxing is number one. And I believe Eddie Hearn, he's going to give him the big fights. If, they, if, if Triple G is not afraid to fight him or Canelo or if that Char, Charho. Have you ever heard of somebody named Charho? I, the I, Charho I, sisters? Too much blunt, mate. <laughs> yeah, these guys are the charholes. These guys are bums only. Bums only promotions. I'm tired of these loudmouth clout chasers. Hold on, H Money. Donny Donny Baseball wants to come back in. Go on, Don. I was going to say, as they say across the pond, I think this guy is taking the piss. <laughs> well, um, like I said, I mean, Demetrius Andrade has been calling out Charlo for years. If you don't believe me, all you have to do is YouTube it. Demetrius Andrade pulling up on Charlo after his win against Julian Williams. Demetrius Andrade called him out at the press conference. Demetrius Andrade called him out again in the hallway. And Ch Charlo's been ducking him, making so many excuses. Charlo, who's fighting Uber drivers, last time I checked, 
Yeah, um, okay, so, well, who's, who's to blame for these fights not happening then? Is it Charlo himself or is it Al Heyman or what? I would say it's Charlo because Charlo himself said that Demetrius Andrade, he's broke. We're not going to fight him. Let's let him suffer. You know, we don't want to fight him. Nobody knows him. But now Demetrius Andrade, he's way more known than Charlo. He fought three times in eight months, way more active, and he's making more money, and he's the WBO three-time world champion. Here, mate, does Nessa Grass can you on here tonight? <laughs> Fuck, I'm here to talk boxing. I mean, enough with the insults. I'm just here to talk boxing. Listen, tell me more about yourself then. Because we'll talk I, about it as if you're not reading off a script then, for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, um, I just want to tell you about myself. I'm definitely a huge boxing fan. Uh, I've been watching boxing my whole life ever since a child. Uh, I would say around like four years old, the first time I watched my first fight. And uh, I come from a, a family of, of, of fight fans. Uh, my dad was a huge Ali fan. Me, uh, Roy Jones, Bernard Hopkins, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis. I mean, the list goes on. I like every fighter, but right now, as of today, I am Mr. DeZone, Mr. Matchroom Boxing. <laughs> Steve, fucking get rid of him, man. <laughs> Fuck hang on, I got, I got, hang on, before, before I get rid of him, I've got one more question because we have to get a guest on in a minute anyway. So tell me about AJ then because he was Mr. Matchroom Boxing before he got upset by Andy Ruiz. Did you see that one coming then? Of course, I watch every fight on the zone, and uh, I just want to say, um, he was keyword was Mr. DeZone until he got upset by Andy Ruiz. And I mean, I was highly disappointed in Anthony Joshua. I'm, I'm no, I'm actually an Usyk fan, and you know, Eddie Hearn has Usyk, he has Joseph Parker, he has Dylan White, he has Philippe Hargrovic. I mean, the list goes on on the great fighters on Matchroom, especially the heavyweights. And right now, I feel like Usyk is definitely the best heavyweight on Matchroom, being an Olympic gold medalist, and and he's ranked top five pound for pound in the world on the ESPN list, and also he's undisputed, so. I mean, he is the highest ranked heavyweight. Definitely. I like Deontay Wilder as well. That guy has massive power. All right, then, H Money, thanks for coming on. Any final words of wisdom to our listeners? Okay. Um, everybody just tune in, watch the zone if you can. If you're in the UK, uh stream it. Um Eddie Hearn, number one promoter in the history of boxing, matchroom boxing, number one in the world. <laughs> matchroom boxing. Fucking whole money right now, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Who the fuck was that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, there you go, man. Uh, I don't even know what that was, <laughs> but I liked it. That was a plant, and that's obviously a th he's reading it off a script, man. He was, he was it. <laughs> I didn't even know what to say about that. Do you enjoy that one, Andy? Yeah, I was fantastic, I Steve, eh? I love, I love, uh, that, was, that was good. You, if, if you're going to play a character, play it well. He played it well. He reminded me of man Phil who was on before. Do you remember when he said, I love the show and I listen all the time? What's the name of the show again? <laughs> there you go. H what's, Money. Congratulations. Listen to us all the time. Does he know what your name is, Steve? Yeah. He'll, I know Tosh, uh, Tosh says in the chat, never again, Steve. To be honest with you, he. Um, he came, this guy came in the chat last week. That's the first time I'd seen him. He came in again this week. I would say that we won't see too much of him in the chat from now on, to be honest. So I think we can put that one to rest. Uh, where do we go from there, Andy? That's the... 
That's the big question. You should end the fucking call now, mate. Let me go to bed. Think of cottage after that, man. Well, our friend there, Mr. Mr. Money, was uh, talking about Jamal Charles, Jamal Charles Ho, in fact, and he was in action last night. Uh, if Andrade was posting a shutout decision, Charlo's against Brandon Adams was very nearly the same. Uh, he did win a, uh, a round on somebody's card anyway, uh, did Mr. Adams, but it was pretty piss poor fare. This is the guy they were trying to get in, Brandon Adams, for uh, Triple G, but then they ended up with Steve Rolls instead, so... Uh, there you go, Charlo got hold of him. I liked what I saw Andy early on from Charlo, swinging wildly, he was missing, but that meant at least he was throwing shots. He moved on to the front foot for once. And because sometimes I think the Charlos are maybe a little bit too particular, they're, they're too precise, they don't throw caution to the wind enough. And this time at least Charlo did go for it. But going forward, putting this side, putting this fight to one side, where do they go from here? Because they can't keep fighting this level of opposition, they're going to have to get something better, even though I'm a Heyman fan. He's going to have to, Andy, find them something better. Yep, so this is a... What, what, what weight was this fight at again? I'm so struggling to remember which one's which again. This is the middleweight version, is that right? Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry, this is the middleweight one, yeah. Yep, so... Um, where does it go from here next? I think he'll probably go for that Polish guy. Um, he's not a big big puncher. Um, do you call him again? Zez, oh, I, I mean, I can't remember his name, but um, you've got him, you've got a Polish fighter. Um, Which one are you talking about, Andy? The one who's just fought Android, no? No, there's another one, mate, I'm sure. Give me a second, just let me pull up fight news here. Give me a second, just to, I'll, I'll find his name. Is this Jeremeta? Is that his name? Give me a second. Camille Jeremeta? Yep, him. Um, yeah, that's him. Um, okay. So maybe him, I know he's highly ranked with the bodies. Um, What's happened with Quigley these days? I know there's been talking that going about about him, but he seems to be highly ranked. But activity-wise, what's the story with him? Well, his activity—he was doing well, and then he had the fight with Tapia. He had another fight where people weren't too impressed with him. There was talk about him fighting Lemieux at one point. He was out on the west coast, wasn't he, with Oscar De La Hoya? He's come home now uh, to the Dominic Ingle camp, but I've actually heard nothing of him. He's completely slipped off my radar, Andy. I'm seeing him here, just tucked in at number fifteen with the IBF, but. I mean, what is going on with Quigley? It's a good, maybe one of the guys who's listening, maybe Joe or Kev or something, can get yeah. in touch and or update me because I've no idea. It's a waste of talent too. He's a good fighter. Falcao's with Golden Boy, I'm pretty sure, as a mm. top-ranked the Brazilian Olympians, Luis Arias. He's crisis. He appeared now as well. I've never seen him fighting for a while. So you know, there's there's for example. Uh, Liam Williams, their uh, top that you wouldn't be surprised to see Williams get the call for a fight against like the Charlo and that. You know, they talk about their lines only, and that is, for me, it's non lines only. They're, they're just they're all talk. I think uh, I forget. I think it's this one that actually is many of uh, been mouth off Danny Jacobs and stuff like that. And Jacobs called them up, basically walked yeah. past them one night uh, in front of an arena, and he just basically kind of, they did back off him. But you know what I mean? He was kind of more kind of quieter than that, but he has been in the past. But yep, um, and Jam still kind of about. I suppose his name value, but. You know, after Smith, what he's done to him and stuff like that. It might give him a knockout victory, shall we say, for Charlo. Because um, I just think coming off that last night, he needed some sort of kind of big performance. But um, I, I just, again, Korobov is, is a decent one. But, you know, at that point in Korobov's career, was he, was he fully active, semi-retired? Um, you know, Jorge Highland, is that not the guy that retired Matthew Macklin? Well, sure, yeah. look at the state of Highland when he came in, Andy. They kept him waiting for like two years. And when he came in, he was that Aye. desperate to take his chance. He came in with a big plaster on his knee. Do you remember that? He could barely even mm -hmm. walk. It's embarrassing. WBC title fight or was it some yeah. sort of lemonade yeah. or whatever? Yeah. Or not? Hugo yeah. So again, it's, it's you know, apart from the Julian Williams fight, which was real, well, 
maybe to a lesser degree, Trout, but I think the Julian Williams fight really kind of gave this guy a, pla uh, a platform that he hasn't really kind of st stepped up to and actually kind of proved it. Especially if you're talking about, I feel like, Highland and Centeno and Korobov and Adams are meant to be like a step above Williams, who clearly isn't he. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, at this point, he's clear. He needs. He's another one who needs a proper test now. You know, as you say, you can go along. You can keep getting these title defenses or WBC rank fighters and stuff. But at some point, you're gonna have to step it up. Um, for me, he's not active like, enough, Andy. It's six months no, since he fought. I mean, it's ridiculous. But for, but for me, if it's possible, I want to see him fight Diane Jacobs because I think there seems to be a bit of needle there between the two. Mm. So I think that would be the natural fight to get made as well. So um, I, I would like to go for Diane Jacobs and and, and Charlo next. Yeah, that, that's a good point. They're just not active enough, as I say. It's nearly July now, nearly seven months since he last fought against Harrison, and that, that's just not good enough. Uh, on the undercard, Erickson Lubin returned against Zacharia Atu. Uh, the ramirez Morero fight was knocking about, but I just couldn't bring myself to watch it because I couldn't really tell you anything about either of them. And there's only so much you can watch, isn't there, over the weekend, so I had to give that one a pass. It's not a good look, Donny. I don't think Charlo's opponent, this Brandon Adams, he was highly thought of at one point. He ended up losing to William Monroe Jr. Then he came back again and they thought, oh, maybe it was just a blip. Went in with John Thompson and got knocked out by Thompson. I think it was one of those tournaments, maybe. I don't think it was the contender, but it was similar to that, Don. And then uh, Thompson obviously went on to fight Liam Smith and showed that he was decent. He was nothing great. Lost the WBO title, but that just showed the level that Brandon Adams is at. And now he's coming back and fighting against Charlo. Are you with us, Donny? Charlos need to step it up. They're just not active enough. They, they do a lot of talking but they just don't do a lot of fighting. They don't do a lot of punching either. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, just sort of a keep busy fight for him. I mean, he needs to get back in the mix with, uh, with the real contenders. And, uh, you know, that's the reason why I only saw highlights of the fight. I didn't watch the whole thing because I knew uh, right before I saw the, uh, you know, the announced opponent on the card uh, that there was not uh, going to be very much to see here. And uh, I was right. Donny Wright, as usual. Yeah, right. Okay. My computer has slowed right down, so I'm trying to get onto the next page. Um, I need to ring our guest up as well. All these things to do. We'll get there eventually. Has he stalled long enough? Yes, he has indeed. Andy, Richard Comey, knocking out Ray Beltran. A lot of people have a lot of love for Beltran. It's all like, oh, you know, let's get him his green card, shall we? He's a working class guy. He's had it tough. He's he's lost a few decisions. That He's coming overweight there against in the Comey fight. He's uh, been tested positive for PEDs in the past. Is Beltran this good guy? I don't know, but I'll tell you who is a good guy. Comey himself. He's really maturing into a nice looking fighter now. IBF. Uh, champion as well. He, he could be a test for for people, including Andy. A few people are saying maybe Lomachenko. Yeah, I'll talk about Lomachenko unification next if this uh, belt, uh, the Campbell my fight comes off and that naturally. But it seems like the way it's probably going to work. I think we're going to get fucked by politics here. I think what's going to happen here. I think we're going to have uh, if all things fall into place, we'll have Comey fighting uh, Tifimo Lopez. So we'll wait and see. As as for Beltran and stuff like that, I, okay, I, I get it. You know, he was in the corner with Pacquiao for years as the chief sparring partner and stuff like that. He's worked his knackers off. He should have been champion when he came over to Scotland to fight Burns. Um, maybe the, the fact is he's, you know, he's near 40 or something like that, I believe, and he's you know struggling to make weight now. I mean, he's been a 135 fighter now for his entire career, I'm sure. Maybe even fought my bit super featherweight for a wee bit. But... Um, Yep, um, I forget what drug he got, he got caught for again, actually, as well. But um, 
it, it could have a knock-on effect as well. Maybe that's how he was, he was cutting weight. I, I, as I say, I forget what he was using, but um, if he has been using in the past to try and make weight, maybe it's caught up in them. Who knows? But um, what we do know off the back end of this fight is he either needs to retire or step down in levels if he's wanting to keep fighting because, um, to me, anybody at supposed world level, certainly at elite level, is going to badly hurt him because he got, he got chinned pretty early in that fight and any other subsequent punch that he took, it was kind of semi-flush. He couldn't hold it. And then the end, the end shot in the eighth round and that, there was at the left hook, I think it was. And uh, it didn't look like there was a lot of meat on the shot, actually, but he just seemed to kind of like stagger back and fall at his arse. And it was kind of sad to see, actually, because you know, Beltran, thought, I remember, he always brought it. He was trying to get you up against the ropes and kind of, you know, tag the body. None of that. Absolutely none of that. So I think it's now a clear sign that you know he's 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 been basically brought in there. So I want to say it's some sort of kind of safe defence for Comey because he's coming off the hand problem. But um, you know, fair play to Comey in that as well because you know he was using long shots. The left hook was pretty much on point. He was very very solid. So yeah, almost not much for him. But uh, for Beltran, for me, I think he needs to kind of seriously consider his future in the sport. Certainly retirement or step, step down in a few levels because it's going to be hard for him at this age, considering he's been fighting, you know, prime spots and TV and stuff like that, and, you know, decent money fights and title fights and stuff. But um, you know, unless he's got his money put away in that, there's not really much need for him to kind of keep fighting in that. So uh, decent career and. Um, Finally got his world title in the end, but uh, he lost it after it was at the first defence, I think it was. And if it, is it, I forget when he felt positive from that, but I've not got a caller on the call now, Steve. So I'll bring he, him in. He, he yep. turned he tested positive a long time ago uh, when he was still trying to make one thirty, I think. Uh, and he took uh, he took diuretics to try to make the weight, and he was fighting some Japanese fella. Donny, I hate to cut you short. I know you're about to give us a bit of information. Oh, I'll come back to you very shortly. It's okay. Just so that we've got our first hey. uh, guest of the evening on the call, uh, James Brandt Jr. Delighted to have you on, James. How are you? Hello, mate. All good. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem at all. We're just talking about the action from the weekend, uh, mainly the American stuff, but also an MTK show on Friday night. Did you manage to see any of it? I see. I, I, I see. Uh, the only, only thought I see was um, Danny Darko versus uh, Mike McDonough. I, I, I had an interest in that, obviously. I know both of the fighters. So I, I wanted I kind of kept an eye on that. You know what I mean? I watched that fight. Yeah. Yeah, I watched that one. It was good. What did you make of it then? Do you think that Danny was a worthy winner in the end? Yeah, I think Danny, 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 won, the, Danny won the contest, didn't he? I think he was a little bit too, a little bit too strong. A little bit was too much for for um, for Martin, you know. For Martin started getting, he, he did start getting into it in the middle stages and that, but it just nothing overall. Danny, uh, Danny was just too strong when he just started over it, overpowered his shots, and uh, Martin just couldn't get off with his style that he wanted to use on him. Uh, just before you came on there, we were talking about Demetrius Andre, Jamal Charlo, possible fights in the future with guys like Canelo, Triple G, Danny Jacobs. It's hotting up at middleweight. Billy Joe Saunders, I suppose he's up at super at the moment, but um, there's a, there are a lot of fights to be made. Uh, do you, who do you see as the number one? Probably Canelo? Right, yeah. Well, in, the, uh, in, the, in the middleweight. In the middleweight, yeah. I think, yeah. I, think you, I think you've got to say, yeah, I think you've got to say Canelo. I think... Um, I'd say Canelo. I'd say up. I need to put Billy Joe Saunders went back down. I put him number two. I put him number two. I think Billy Joe would beat Golovkin. I'm not sure about Canelo. You know. Yeah, Canelo is is a different yeah. animal, isn't he? But Billy Joe, I'd like to see him down at, at middleweight. James, do you think he would be better work down at middleweight? 
Yeah, I think he. I think he's better. I think there's better fights. I think there's some better fights from Dan. Then I want to see him go. I'd like to see him go back down because I want to. I want to see him fight Canelo. I think he'd beat Golovkin, but obviously I think it's just a lot of political stuff behind closed doors. Why? Why the fights are not happening? Yeah, there's always a bit of politics behind the scenes. Just looking at your career, obviously you signed with Frank Warren. You're a former uh, Team GB amateur standout. Um, what, what's it like with Frank at the moment? Are you enjoying life as a pro? Yeah, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm living my dream. You know, this is what uh, I've dedicated my whole life to the, to the, um, to this game, to, to become a, to be a professional boxer. And it's all gone good so far. So I've just, I've been pro, just gone a year now. A year the other day, I've had five fights, so I can't complain. I've been busy, you know. I've been nice and I've been nice and active. So no, it's all going good so far. I'm enjoying it with Frank. We're just pushing on now, just pushing onwards and upwards, you know. Starting to push up and progress through the rounds, and hopefully we'll be on fighting for titles soon. Yeah, you're a cruiserweight. You're obviously only 23. So is it all about sort of moving up six rounds, eight rounds, ten rounds, and then looking at titles after you've got that experience? It's about doing. It. It's about taking. It's about taking my time, and and um, I've got plenty of time. You know, I mean, you look at all the all the cruiserweights in this country. The majority of them all 27, 28. They've all got a few years on me, you know. But I, I won't be able to stall stall that much because obviously I had a very good amateur amateur background. You know what I mean? So obviously I'll be pushing on. But I've got time. You know, I've got time on my hands. I'm I'm lucky, really. I'm in a good position. I'm in a very good position. You mentioned about the amateurs there. Obviously, you fought uh, Lawrence Acoli a couple of times as an amateur. People are so, sort of trying to push you two together already. But what do you remember about fighting Lawrence as an amateur? They were good fights. I mean, they were good fights. I mean, Lawrence was into interviews. Like if you, you can watch them on YouTube, the boxing was out the window, to be honest with you. We, uh, for, for both, for done six rounds of two, three, what, two, two, three, um, two fights of three rounds, two fights in the amateurs. And it was just all that action, you know, for the, for the whole time, for the full nine minutes, we was at each other. And it's a one-one. So obviously, in the future, we need a decider. You know what I mean? That'll come. That'll come eventually. You mentioned it being all action there at times as a pro. Lawrence has had a sort of style where he's he's maybe been criticised in the likes of the asking fight. He, they said he grabbed a little bit too much. As is he just adapting to being a pro and doing what he needs to do? Yeah, that is sort of Lawrence's style. I don't think that'll ever change. He's always been he's always been the same really. He uses like his weight, his strength hmm. to uh, to wear people down. I don't think Lawrence to be honest with you, I don't think he'll ever change. He'll, he'll never he'll never change too much. Do you know what I mean? No, no matter what trainer he's under, no matter who he's with, that's just Lawrence's way and it's working. It's worked for him so far. So it is what it is sometimes at the end of the day. All that matters is winning, isn't it? So he's doing, he's doing, he's doing, he's doing good so far. He's winning things. They're talking about pushing him on for um, a world title soon. I see people are saying so. No, he's doing, he's doing well. Fair play to him. That's just his style. And that's his way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just final one on a Coley. You've obviously been in up close and personal with him. He looks like a really big unit. Is he physically strong? He's, yeah, he's strong. Yeah, Lawrence is Lawrence is a strong man. I think that's what that's what he uses for his advantage. He's a, he's a big cruiserweight. He's a, he's a massive cruiserweight, and so that's why that's why he uses to his advantage in the ring, oversizing and, and, and trying to overpower, over the power of fighters. It's just about knowing. It's just about knowing what to do to, to counter to counteract that, which no one seems to uh, to recognise so far. 
Uh, just on back on your career as well, James, who do you train with at the moment and what kind of guys do they get you sparring in with? Uh, so I'm training with Martin Bowers. I'm a lot of, uh, under Martin Bowers at the Peacock. Uh, sparring, I spar whoever's really down to spar a lot of the light heavyweights you know, that come down. There's always sparring walking through a door down the Peacock. Um, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I spar alongside Dan Dubois a lot. Me and Dan do brands. Yeah, whoever really comes in the gym, we've got a team with a few light heavyweights in the gym, a few cut the cruiserweights, a couple of heavyweights, you're just getting in and mixing mixing in with them, you know? Daniel Dubois is obviously going in with Nathan Gorman soon. Gorman's a skillful boxer, good mover, but Dubois seems to have the power, the equaliser. Yeah, I think that's the, the, I think that fight there, I think uh, Dan's, Dan's going to come out top in that fight. I think for the first couple of rounds, I think Gorman's going to be a little bit tricky. He's in his speed, his movement, his agility. You know what I mean, I think for the first couple of rounds, what I can see, what I, what I can visualise happening, I think Gorman's going to slow down, tire out towards the later end, towards the later rounds, you know. And then I think he, um, I can, I can see the Gorman getting stopped later on. Oh, interesting prediction. Uh, well, just got a couple more questions for you, James. We do thank you yeah, for your yeah. time. Uh, any social media presence anybody can catch you on? Yeah, yeah. So you can you can find me on my Instagram at uh, James Branch. My Twitter's uh, James Branch ninety five, and uh, my Facebook. You type in James Branch, you, you'll see you'll see my uh, my picture. That'd be good if you all can get behind it and uh, following me, follow my career. You know. Yeah, certainly will do. Here we mentioned Frank okay. Warren earlier. Has Frank had a word yeah. with you there about possible fights coming up? What's in the pipeline? Uh, we, I think we're looking. We're looking to get out in September. Looking to, I think I'm looking now to be fighting. I think he'll be fighting in September at some point. I ain't got official dates or nothing yet. I'm just going to keep keep being busy, keep being active. Now start pushing up the rounds, and we'll see. And we'll see how things um our things pan out. But I reckon 2020 will be the the year where all the big moves start happening. You know. Hopefully so. Just looking on the world scene, obviously you're at Cruiserweight. Alexander Usyk won the World Boxing Super Series tournament. They're in the, the second stages of that right now. Have you been watching the Cruiserweights? What do you think of it? Uh, watched it. I watched I watched a little bit of it. I see Breedis Box the other day. Breedis yeah. Box didn't I? I see um, uh, the other Saturday. Um, yeah, I think I think Breedis is probably the number one at the minute, I'd probably say. I, I reckon now Usyk's gone. Obviously Usyk's gone up. He was the number one by far. Usyk is great. He's a great fighter. Usyk was, but obviously he's gone up to heavyweight. So yeah, I'm not really watched too much of this Super Series, but I think uh, I think Breedis is going to be the one that comes out on top. Yeah, Breedis is a very good fighter. That was a bit of a strange fight. Also, Dortico. That was a bit, a bit strange. It was yeah, a strange ending. That, yeah. It really was. I mean, yeah, obviously, I'd, I don't imagine you've been involved in anything like that, but it was just chaotic, wasn't it? Yeah, it was strange. I've never really seen nothing like that. But these things happen. It's funny. It's funny what goes on in the ring, and it happens before it's it's happened and it's done before you even know it. You know what I mean? Mm. So no, no, but it happens. Fair play to me. One. That's all that matters. At the end of the day, in a few years' time, no one's going to remember for how he won and what he won. He won. That's all that matters. Absolutely. And talking finally of strange things going on in the ring. Not many people predicted Andy Ruiz Jr. to defeat AJ. Did you see that one? Yeah, I see it. I see it. I was, I was, uh, I was shocked myself. I knew, I, I thought that um, Ruiz was going to be more of a problem than what, what everyone was predicting. Everyone, everyone was writing uh, Ruiz off, weren't they? 
mm. who I'm thought that he was at that Josh Hill's gonna go and blast him out. I knew that weren't gonna happen. Ruiz, even though everyone looks at look everyone looks at him where he's not that pleasing on the eye, everyone writes him off. But that that man is a, a very good fighter. You don't he had hundred and five amateur fights, one hundred. You don't you don't do that in the amateurs winning all them fights and um, for nothing, if you, if you ain't a good fighter, you know, you, you know what I'm saying. So, and he won all the titles and that. And I knew he was a good fighter, and he was unlucky against Parker. Really, that could have gone either way. So I knew he was going to cause a problem, and um, he just kicked Joshua, didn't he? And that was it. And Joshua couldn't, Joshua just couldn't get back in into the fight. And that was it was over then. Like, after seventh round, he just finished him off. What about the rematch just finally then, James? Uh, do you think AJ can turn the, the tide or do you think Ruiz has got his number? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm split. I'm, I actually am split on this one. I, I, I don't know. I think Joshua comes out and gets behind his box and I think he should have a fight in England. I know they're doing a lot of talking about where the fight's happening and that. There's probably more money from him in America. But I think Joshua should be sensible and have it back in back at Wembley or somewhere like that. Somewhere that he knows, recognises his exact comfort like in his own home, you know, in this country. So I think he should have it. I think he should have the rematch in England. I don't really know. I don't really know. I don't know if Ruiz has got his number now. He's going to be super confident. He's going to be super confident coming back into this fight. He knows he took Joshua's best shot. He got back up from it and he looked unfazed. He looked unfazed from it. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence of the rematch. I don't really know what way it's going to go. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same. Not really sure what's going to happen, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Nonetheless, James, absolute pleasure having you on. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for your time. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. All the best Cheers. going forward. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Thank bye, you. Bye, bye, bye. Good talker, that guy, yeah? Yeah, excellent. James Branch Jr. spoke really well. Looking forward to seeing him in action. Hopefully, he'll appear on one of those Box Nation. Oh, no, Box Nation's dead now, isn't it? It's BT Sports now, everybody. Forget about Box Nation. They're doing IBO Cruiserweight title fights from a... From Russia. He might end up in one of them. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I caught myself on the hop at the beginning of that interview. I hadn't planned on talking about the middleweights. And for some reason, I ended up talking about them. The next thing you know, I'm asking him, do you think Canelo is the number one middleweight in the world? And I'm thinking, fuck's sake, Wellings, what sort of stupid questions is that, man? Of course, Canelo is the number one middleweight in the world. But there you go. That's why the seat the seat's a bit too hot for me sometimes, Andy. You know all about that. And you, you ask the stupid questions. Yeah, but, you're uh, fired, James mate, <laughs> I'm shot to shit, man. Shot to shit. Right, let's get back onto the action from the weekend. Uh, we're on to Richard Comey, weren't we? Donny, do apologise. I cut you off in your prime. I know you were telling us about the, the Ray Beltran situation. Please go ahead, sir. No, you know what? I'm, I'm upset and I, I didn't get cut off and I'm not going to continue. Uh, are you going back to just Donny? No, no, I'm just kidding. No, uh, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> no yeah, basically, uh, I think... Uh, Ray so you Bell want to be known as just kidding rather than Donny Baseball now? No, no. Well, you know, actually, I really, I, I truly believe that uh, it would be really funny if, uh, you know, like with, you know, WWE wrestling, if, uh, if like whoever was fighting Ray Beltran just took on like a Donald Trump persona and was like, you know, not only am I going to beat you and knock you out, but I'm also going to deport you and your family, you know, and. <laughs> That's because you're a Donald Trump supporter, man. That's the reason why you came up with that one. Started wearing like, you know, like ice apparel and all that kind of stuff. You know, I think I think that would really that would really draw a lot of attention to the fight. I think I think that'd be good promotionally. 
good promotionally, good sexually. Junior Four, Andy, he's someone that we're often talking about. I'm not sure how far he will go, but he managed to get a win against Dominic Gwynn. He got knocked down in the fourth round, which doesn't look good. But Carlos Adames is one guy I was going to talk about. 17-0. and 0. He's now 18-0 and 0 with 14 knockouts. Managed to get rid of Patrick Day. Uh, he's let me just bring up the uh, notes that I have on this guy Adames. Yeah, so he's ranked number ten in the world by Boxrec. It looks like someone who could be going a few places. Did you manage to see this one, Donny? Carlos Adames, no? Uh, no, I did not. No. Not to worry. That's all of the stateside action. Yeah, Snake Kips isn't ha happy in the chat. Said it's a bit dead tonight. We're trying to get up for you, Snake Kips, man. Trying to trying to ingest my, inject myself with a few PEDs to give you a better product. But you know, sometimes just just not feeling it. It's just not there. Just not there. MTK Global, I was hoping Ozzy was going to be on. He's not here with us tonight, unfortunately. He's talking about Ryan Walsh. He got a split decision win over Lewis Paulin. Paulin's from Scotland, Andy. He's 12-1 and one now. Did you know much about him before he, no, he came to me, this no. opportunity? No. He said he's from Edinburgh. He's a, he was a Southpaw, 28 years of age. He was a little bit upright, not really a big puncher, but he did a decent enough job. This was on YouTube on Friday night. Uh, you know, Ryan Walsh is a good fighter. Uh, British do, uh, domestic level. We know that he stepped up, didn't quite manage it against Ceylon, but you know him and his brother have been good servants to the sport. And what about O'Hara Davis, though, Andy? I suppose he was on the undercard against Miguel Vasquez. Few people thought it was a bad decision, but what the the fact that Ian John Lewis scored the fight seemed to annoy a few people. Ninety seven, ninety four. Do you think that they need to maybe go to three judges if it's a ten rounder, Andy, in a fight of some significance because the referee it's maybe just a bit too much for him. Especially that referee, at least. Um, mm. oh, what can you say? But I mean, it's just it's one catastrophe to another with him sometimes and stuff. I'm not being bad about it, but that's just my opinion. You know, I just think it's time for him to, you know, I just think it's time for him to kind of get, get pushed out the door, really. Um, you know, it was probably kind of like, you know, arguably the, you know, the biggest bout in the night, actually, you know, and the. Uh, just to kind of put in a scorecard like that, you know, again, you know, even, I think even Davis even kind of like mentioned that himself and stuff like that. They, I think he said he had a, a rib injury in that, but I think he kind of basically admitted that he lost the fight in that as well, which is good to see actually. At least, you know, if you get fighters and that who have been humbled like he has, and they kind of come back and just be honest and that. But um, to be honest, um, I just, I really don't know what the plan is with Davis at all, actually, in all honesty, because... It seems to be as since the same MTK and that I think he's only fought it twice or three times and stuff, and he hasn't really kind of looked impressive in either of them, in all honesty. So I really don't know what the plan is going to be by him, kind of you know, in the future going forward. Wait, so did uh, did Ian John Lewis uh, basically ref and also judge the fight? Yeah, they used to do this in British title fights, Donny, and English title well, fights, well but aware. they, no, no, I'm they well changed aware. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I understand that, that basically that this is very, very common over the United Kingdom. And also, actually, in the United States, uh, back in the day, they used to have the two judges, and the referee would be the third judge. Um, and uh, obviously, through my uh, familial connections, uh, I do know a lot of judges, uh, some of them that are older. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of them said to me, he goes, I literally don't know how it would even be possible for me to judge a fight while refing it. Um, because... He's like, you know, he's like, you're basically trying to worry about the fighter's safety and you're trying to break up, you know, unnecessary clinches and, you know, things like that. He's like, he goes, it's a totally different thing to try to basically organize a fight and to try to try to make sure that the fight is fought on clean terms and according to the rules. And then judging it at the same time, he goes, it's just too much in your head. 
you know, it's it's too much to do to do that. And he goes, I, I don't understand how people would ever be able to be competent and at, at, at performing both of those tasks. Um, yeah, for high level fights, I don't think that really should ever happen. Yeah, I remember an American fella used to be on one of the BoxRec forums. He couldn't believe it. It was back in 1998 when Omar Shaker, he was a big punching super middleweight around at the time, ended up fighting Joe Calzaghe. Oh, yeah, I remember he that. Went, yeah. You remember, remember him? He went in with, he was possibly 14 and 0, 15 and 0 at the time, and he came over to fight on the Eubank Carl Thompson undercard, I believe it was, in Sheffield in 1998. And he fought against uh, Tony Booth, who was a journeyman. He'd had about 50-odd losses, a few wins as well. He was a good fighter, better than his record suggested, but he beat Shaker, and at the end of the fight, the referee, Tony Green, lifted up his hand, 77-76, and that was it. Eight round, it was over. Shaker had got his first loss. <laughs> this tap couldn't believe it. He was like, what? That, that's it? There's no judges? He just lifted his hand, and that said he's defeated. Couldn't couldn't get to grips with this. But even back then, they used to do it in British title fights as well, but they did away with it in the end. I remember fights like Jimmy Vincent against David Barnes, when Jimmy Vincent was completely robbed and the crowd were going absolutely wild and I think Larry O'Connell might have been the referee in that one and people said right it's going to have to change no it might have been John Key anyway it doesn't matter uh, people said it's going to have to change we're going to have to have, get three judges in now so I'm wondering whether for a fight of any decent magnitude so even O'Hara Davis against Miguel Vasquez in a 10 rounder should have been uh, three judges I know you've got to pay them and everything but they would have been in the in the building anyway so there you go. A change in tack, Ozzy, uh, or Donny, in fact. We haven't really had your opinion on the heavyweights, Donny, because um, you haven't been able to get on, which is absolutely fine. But we've had AJ getting beaten. Usyk didn't fight. Deontay Wilder got a knockout win. Tyson Fury knocked out Tom Schwartz. What do you think about the landscape now, Donny, of the heavyweight division that we've sort of had it settled down a little bit over the last four or five weeks? Where does everybody stand, in your opinion? Well, uh, obviously, I hope that the next fight for uh, Fury and Wilder is each other. Um, I hope that the next fight uh, for um, uh, Ruiz and Joshua is each other. And I think the winners should fight each other. And then also, yeah, lurking out there in the distance is Yusick. And I think that if, if Ruiz can beat Joshua, um, I think I think, uh, I think think Yusick actually stands a good chance against some of these heavyweights uh, with his movement. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with him. And if he puts on a little, you know, uh, there's a telling what he could do. I mean, you know, Evander Holyfield wasn't a big heavyweight, and uh, you know, he was able to take down a lot of uh, a lot of guys. Uh, you know, not only even just like in his prime, but even even that whatever uh, who he should have beaten. What was his name? Valuev. Uh, you know, he should have won that fight or whatever. I mean, you know, when you get above, there's a reason why the heavyweight limit is like 200 pounds and above. And the reason why is, is that once you get big enough or whatever, you know, if you've got 200 men, pound men punching you in the face, you know, you're going to go down. Uh, you know, at some point, the size ceases to be relevant. And, you know, it's about how well you can actually fight. And, uh, you know, and I, I think Usyk actually brings a lot to the table. And I think the, the division is going to get interesting once these like what I would call currently the big four, or actually really the big five. It would be uh, Joshua, Wilder. Fury, um, Ruiz, uh, Ortiz uh, would be the fifth one. And then uh, and now you, once they all get together and they start mixing it up, I mean, I think that you have a wide open heavyweight division and it's been, a, it, it, it's ex, as exciting right now as it's ever been. Yeah, the heavyweights are extremely exciting. We're trying to bring the excitement to you here. Episode 329 of the Boxing Asylum Notice podcast. You heard Donnie there back after 
enforced absence. Andy Patterson's with us as well, looking up on the Olympics. What's the latest then, Andy? This is sort of breaking news. We we think that the... And I've been getting emails from the Russian Boxing Association during the week for some reason. They're trying mm -hmm. to sort out this Aiba situation. I must be on a mailing list or something. <clears throat> What's actually going on at the moment then? As I understand, I think they've, uh, they've taken a vote. That is at the IOC and uh, basically unanimously voted to basically ban boxing for the next Olympics but looks of it um, to understand that you know well, I think we discussed it on here about it three four weeks ago basically basically it was Aiba's got like so much debt something like 16 20 million dollars a day mm. and um one of the IOC members I think he's a Serbian or something like that who basically headed the task force to look into the ties of Aiba uh, with some sort of kind of like um, some of the affiliates that they'd had with I with Aiba and that and they've delivered a, a basically a, a damning report to an IOC session and saying the association could reach a debt as much as twenty nine million dollars by the end of the year. So that's 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 a fuck that's over. That's what 15, $14, million dollars extra. That's just incredible. But um they've also said they've, they've failed to basically um reform at the top of the organization. The president that we spoke about, um, I forget his name at the minute, but he was he had links to organised crime and stuff like that, some Uzbek and that. He said the US Treasury involved in that. He suspended himself for the position. And um, it's not good enough as far as IOC are concerned. And the, the AIBA, who basically largely depends on Olympic Games for most of its revenue, um, I could potentially see it basically collapse in after next Olympics if uh, rumours let it be true. Um, because I say, you know, the Olympic Games... Is the is the biggest revenue for Aiba, and um, it's looking like it's it's going to start getting very very messy unless it gets resolved between now and then. And it's a shame for the fighters and that who who are obviously going through these qualification events and stuff like that, taking punishment, and there's going to be no nothing at the at the other end for it. So it's uh, it's bad news, like. Well, uh, I thought that the uh, the Chinese guy that took over Aiba, whatever. Was doing well, this, he got punted okay, it. The helmets or whatever, and he was doing these, uh, you know, these, um, what's that, you know, something pro, uh, pro boxing, Aiba pro boxing events uh, with some of the best amateur stars, and they were fighting each other in all these different countries, and they were making money because now it wasn't amateur anymore, really. It was like, you know, quasi-amateur, and they were, they were having different countries compete against each other, and these events seemed to be well attended uh, from what I could see from, you know, from YouTube or whatever. I thought that... Uh, that they were bringing the sport forward, but it turns out, I guess what they're, uh, I guess dramatically irresponsible uh, financial mismanagement has uh, caused them to their their organization to fall into a, a really bad place. Is that what you're saying? Well, that's the thing. Well, I see them being the chat saying is they might even hold their qualification events as late as May. And the games start in July, but can you imagine some of these lesser countries? How the hell are they going to be able to afford that type of type of stuff? You know, you have to fly a fighter out to wherever to qualify, have so many fights, probably put them up for a couple of nights as well, and then two months later, go to fly them back out to to Tokyo and Japan, to, you know, to compete. And they obviously try and make. Well, I, I don't know. I I just think uh, this whole situation could have been solved eighteen months ago, and they never got into it. This this president who basically banned himself or suspended himself. You know, he knew all along that he was he was told do not take up that post, or you're going to cause. And he did it because he's fucking too arrogant. And this is what's happened. This and this is a fallout. But uh, it's, just, it's a fight you got to feel sorry for here, actually. Yeah, no, I mean you you've got people that have devoted their life to this sport with the hope of making the Olympics, 
Uh, and, you know, and now because of, you know, stupid executives at the top of the organization, you know, if they were to take the boxing out of the Olympic Games or something, I mean, you know, it would ruin these people's lives. Yeah, of course, you have to feel bad for the fighters because they didn't do anything wrong. It's it's these uh, it's these corporate bigwigs at the top who, uh, who, you know, mismanage the organization. I mean, I think they need to really clean house. Well, let's clean house, kick the back door in. Main man's on here, inject a bit of excitement into the pod. Rapping Rob Kelly, how are you, sir? Well, what's going on, gentlemen? Uh, we're buzzing. Don, Donnie's back with a vengeance here, Rob. Well, combine Donnie back with the fact that Boo Boo Andrade put on a masterclass last night. Uh, you really get the juices flowing, you know what I mean? Very start, mate. We had some fucking fiend on Caldwell on there for the boxing voice terms that Andrade was world class and Eddie Hearns number one. <sighs> Fucking hell! I'm I, I'm I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and not say anything because I was getting a bit of stick there during the week from a guy uh, who listens to us. It's actually a nice guy, but he says that we're completely biased against matchroom, which we've been over and over and over at this stage. Like, and some of those comments I was reading on one of the forums that were that you know listeners that listen to us every week said the Irish guy hates AJ and Hearn. He even went as far as to call Eddie Hearn out for a charity boxing match because something he said was vaguely aimed at him. Are you? You fucking moron. I never call Eddie Hearn out for a time. Eddie Hearn was calling people out on his Twitter saying that he'd give people a spire that were giving him stick. I was giving him stick and I said I'd take him up on the spire. Eddie Hearn has about four inches on me and about 20 pounds, but I'd still give him that work. But it's nothing to do with a personal grudge against him or I hate him that much that I want to fight him. You're a fucking idiot that listen to this pod sometime, honest to God. But anyway. Well, <laughs> fuck the listeners, Rob. You might have been fucking. talking about Welling for the fucking Irish No, no, guy. no. <laughs> nah, no, no, you just thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but like, um, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to go down that road of, of fucking oh, slagging matchroom and AJ and whatever. Their time, their, time will, their time will come again, but um, I'm supposed I'm supposed you've covered uh, Boo Boo Andrade's uh, snooze. Well, we have, we have, but we want to yeah. hear your opinion, Rob. What would Mel B have made of the whole spectacle? Well, well that was the first thing I thought of anyway. I thought, geez, I wonder if she's thinking, oh, Selecki gave Rosado a good fight, so this could be a tricky one for my Boo Boo. Um, realistically, Andrade has some talent. Um, he's got that style. He's got a nice kind of fluid style, but he's not a technician. He's not a top level technician. He's not one of the top guys that you know. I hit you, you don't hit me. Kind of, kind of styles. He's languid and he's kind of loose. But like I saw a clip, of the, one of the clips in one of the rounds where he highlighted where he was trying to do this kind of look like a kind of a rain dance or something around <laughs> Selecki. <saw> <laughs> And then fucking was like, you know, was going to put the mustard on it with the punch and then missed the fucking punch and ended up on the other side of the ring. Like, he's dross. Like, he's not entertaining. Can't punch that much. Selecki, if you can't outpoint a guy like Selecki who went life and death with Gabe Rosado with his 12 losses, that's not, that, that's not making any statement for me that he's the, the top guy at 160, even though 160 is a bit quiet. The two top guys at 160 for me are Canelo and Triple G. Um, hot on the heels is Charlo. Um, depending on where you see him, um, and then Andrade is in the mix somewhere. Saunders, obviously, if Saunders and, is at one sixty, Saunders and Jacob, Saunders and Jacob. So Jacobs, I think, is you know he's had one or two bites now. I don't know if he's gonna. He probably could get back in world title contention, I guess. But um, I think either of those guys, Saunders, Triple G, Canelo, um, Danny Jacobs, all beat Andrade and quite easily. Like, and he's bought. He's nothing to watch. Like, is he? He's bought. He bought you to tears. So. Um, tough watch that one and Selecki is just a tough competitor like I don't think he's I think he's a B-level guy like isn't he so um, it looked really like they were having a good much. time in the crowd though Rob to be honest 
well, you know, sometimes that's where all the, all the action happens. Um, it's funny, actually. I met a fellow last night. I was on a stag night last night uh, for me go make bubbles and we were up in the town of Kilkenny. Now, Wexford and Kilkenny are always great rivals in the Harland. I don't know if anyone watches Harland, but Wexford won their first provincial uh, title today against I, Kilkenny. I, I, I watched the hurl and mate, I fucking hurled in the toilet. It's one after 16 <laughs> pints of Guinness last night. Hey, <laughs> well, listen, I wasn't too far. I, I managed to, the, the lads had me a 50 to 1 to be the last man standing on the stag night, but I, 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 I proved the doubters wrong and ended up in the Champions League position. But we got talking to this guy. Me and my mate Deco from um, from Dublin, and he's actually he boxes a little bit. He spars with some of the guys over in the high performance. Madman, right lad, bro. He wants to come on the pod someday. He really does know his boxing, actually. So me and him obviously were talking boxing, and some lad overhears this, and somehow Joe Calzaghe gets brought into it. So I, of course, like with a few drinks on me, I was like, "Fuck Joe Calzaghe." So this guy, like, I thought maybe wanted to fight me for a few minutes, but then. Um, we thought he was on the stag. We asked him, like, we thought he was on our stag. We fucking talking to him for 45 minutes. He wasn't with us at all. <laughs> so he just uh, he just kind of joined in uh, randomly. But um, <laughs> we, it was like, who's your man? And I was like, I thought he was, with you. I thought he was on our stag. He's like, is that fucking on this stag anyway? And someone said to him, hey, mate, who are you with? And he was like, uh, such and such. And they were like, I thought you were on this stag. And he was like, I didn't really want to say something. I was enjoying it. I was enjoying talking boxing with the two lads, so I didn't really want to say. <laughs> so I told him, to, I told him to check in on the asylum. I told him to listen to the asylum, so maybe we, his identity would be. But he was telling me he was training with um, Dennis Hogan, and he had trained with Parker before. He was living in Australia, New Zealand. So I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, a sidebar, that's about as interesting as the fights last night. What else have we got, Steve? Well, we were. Um... Charlo was fighting last night and Andrade, but your assessment of Andrade, Rob, I'm thinking maybe we can sum it up in, in this sentence. You're a fucking bomb. You're a fucking <laughs> asshole. I hope, I hope you fucking, fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it. Did someone bring that? I think Umar, IFL Umar brought that up to um, Chisora and he said that he just didn't feel like talking at the time. <laughs> just as well. What about Charlo? Then he got rid of Brandon Adams just about. I think he had a, a bad hand, Charlo, which is the reason why he shut Adams out and he didn't knock him out. He really needed to knock that guy out and make a statement, I thought. I think so, because Adams was out for like three years or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he's shite. Yeah, and I, I think with the Charlos, if you're, if you're going to give him B-level guys, normally they will knock him out. Um, and that's why they've got so many kind of high like, real knockouts. So if you give them someone that can't kind of trouble him or can't punch, they're going to just go and flatten him. I mean, I like... I like the Charlos to watch. They're, I suppose they're exciting-ish. Um, I just think the writing's on the wall for both of them when they come up against the top guy that they're going to get it uh, because they've been kind of matched so well along the, their careers, you know, typical him and stuff, um, that when they come up against it that they're really going to come up short. Like I just have that sneaky feeling about both of them. Even though I think the lighter one is probably better. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, I was saying as well, at least, that they're letting their hands go. I think sometimes they're, they're too uh, calculating. They sort of want to land the perfect punch all the time. But at least early on, Charlo last night was swinging shots and at least trying to knock Adams out, which I suppose is a bonus. But anyway, uh, I don't suppose you saw anything of Highland against Patera, Rob, out in Italy. Uh, Paul Highland Jr. got knocked down four times, ended up getting knocked out in the sixth round. Um, I suppose the form guide showed that Ritson knocked out Highland and Patera beat Ritson, so we sort of expected this, but... There you go. That's the way it is. Uh, also, Andy, one thing I was going to mention about that card on on Friday night. I know you didn't see anything of it, which is fine, but Adam Smith and Darren Barker were on commentary during the Dario Morello fight against Ahmed El Hamwi. Now, Morello's 15-0, and he's shit, Andy. 
But Smith and Barker were shitting on him all the way through. Oh, this guy's terrible. He's not at any level. This is rubbish, blah, blah, blah. But they're not as quick to do that whenever they're on a Sky show and say if it's like a domestic prospect from, I don't know, say Liverpool or Birmingham or Leeds, they wouldn't be as quick to shit on them then, you know. So maybe they they could introduce that type of candor into into the Sky show sometimes. Well, you you catch it on the American card sometimes when they're like maybe, you know, critiquing some other fighter and that, yeah, he's not good here or he needs a wee bit of adjustments there or he's open there you know, this is Adam Smith, by the way, who who basically christened Anthony Joshua as the next Muhammad Ali. You know, no, you know, no long after the man had died and stuff like that. You know, that, that was a shame of the guy. I just think, you know, it's it's all saying it's all kind of sales, you know, car salesman tactics and stuff. But as you say, they're not quick to pull the trigger if they are aligned or signed with Matchroom, who obviously have the exclusive content with Sky. And you can also just throw in there by as well as <clears throat> I think it's new start to hit home. Probably with Sky and maybe some of the the kind of the the matchroom lovers and stuff like that. That Eddie's new starting to kind of lose control some situations over here and stuff because he's having to cancel cards to a Frank Warren, and uh, it's not looking good for him by the way. And people can take us how they fucking want to take it, but see at the end of the day, we kind of did mention this a few months back and that Eddie's going to take his eyes off the prize, and he's going to let things slip. He's spread himself too thin. He's no good. He's no good. The the stable to basically cover the dates. So, uh, yeah, but, you know, and then obviously Joshua losing and stuff like that as well. It's just, it's no, it's no good times for him at the minute. So uh, we'll wait and see how how it's going to fold out for here and that. But as, as you say, you know, it's very well evident on Sky broadcasts, on matchroom shows and stuff like that, the critiquing of British or home fighters or matchroom line fighters and that are nowhere near as bad or as, shall we say, as kind of truthful as to like non kind of British card, shall we say. Whereas if you get Polly on some of the some of the British British commentary feeds and stuff like that, you will get him kinda of maybe kinda of spitting a wee bit of kind of truth and stuff like that. Other than that, you didn't really usually get it. Did you know what you're making a good point and it's and it's kind of endemic across all the networks now. Like I mean Dazone completely completely their commentators are completely about the house fighter. Uh, ESPN are flagrant with it. They're just they're almost as bad as Matt. Oh, um, and then you've got like there's only a few inf- guys that call it as it is they're kind of few and far between Paul Dempsey I think will say whatever he doesn't care who's the boss like he'll kind of keep, he'll kind of call it as he sees it Paulie Malnagy is another one but outside of that like you've got very few I think Andrew Ward and Tim Bradley are, are pretty good but outside that you've got very fr- few commentators just calling it like it is which is why you come on here to listen to you shitting on Hearn all the time exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh, and upsetting people. Don't listen. Do you ever do you ever see the fucking IFL video where Eddie Hearn shows his back guiding? Fellas like that are not worried about it. What the fuck are you worrying about someone like that for? He's not fucking he's gonna be alright. AJ as well. Don't be oh don't you should bashing AJ too much. Oh don't be talking about AJ. AJ's fucking six foot six, two hundred and fifty pound weight with about eighty million. He's gonna be okay, right? Don't worry about what I said on the on the asylum about AJ. He'll survive. Yeah. You see when you're listening, what people have to realise is See, when we come on here on a Sunday night, it's just a bit of crack. Like, you know, at the end of the day, if people come back, like myself personally, I shit on enough people and yeah. say about, about fighters and what have you. So if people give me grief or abuse, then I'll just say, fair enough, I deserve it really, don't I? Because I'm quick enough to shit on other people. So they should be quick enough to shit on me. So I take it. And the boys are the same. It's just a bit of fun at the end of the day. Just come on and chat boxing at the end of the week before you go to work on a Monday morning, boring, dull lives. You know what I'm saying, Andy? That's a release. You know. It's a yeah, release, you know, you get to come fun, in here, it? you know, get the fucking shoot the shit and stuff like that with some of the lads and that, you know, but, 
you know, to be honest, some of the messages I get privately that it's just it's incredible. You know, I hope you die and all that sort of stuff, and your fucking kids catch this. I'm like, fuck off, dude. I mean, seriously. You don't have to tell me. I'm listening. I'm new to it all, but I've listened to it lately. Like, fully grown men defending fight. Look at how dare you be so negative. Oh, I know, man, eh? Get the fuck out of here. Like, is that say to them? Listen, mate, how deep are you in fucking Joshua's pockets? How much are you getting paid off him? How much is he fucking paying your fucking national insurance and your stamp money? You get a pension to end it? No, shut the fuck up. It's like that scene out of fucking Bronx Tale where the kid goes to him about yeah. Mickey Mantle. He's like, what the fuck do you give a shit about Mickey Mantle for? See if your fucking father loses his job, what's Mickey Mantle going to do for you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. If anybody wants any more jokes, go over to YouTube. Uh, Take Ames. He was on a few weeks ago, friend of the pod. He's always in the chat every week. Take Ames. T-A-K-E-A-Y-M-Z. He's making some videos at the moment. I haven't watched any. But a few of the guys in the chat have seen them, said they're really funny. He's critiquing the contender division, throwing in a few jokes as well. So I'll go over and watch that after we finish tonight. Shout out to Take Ames. He is a good guy. So go and support him. Also, Dale Nichols as well has his own YouTube channel. Go and listen to that. He's a good fella, uh, putting it straight. Giving it giving it to you straight. Talking of that, Hamid is on the call. Hamid and Hamid, the, Car- the Cardiff crusher himself. How are you, Hamid? Yeah, I'm good. How's it going? Not too bad at all. Hamid. Um, you you sent our friend H money on earlier. What, what's going on? What's the deal? How many? Oh, oh you don't you don't get ever get him on again. That guy's a troll. I don't yeah, we gathered we gathered that. He, he's been booted out of our five or six different podcasts. So <laughs> I don't know how, how he ended up on your channel. Is he definitely a like, boxing voice? He's retarded, man. That's all I'll see. There's <laughs> something wrong with the guy in the head. He's he's. He's like he's low place on crack, and I think low like he low place is someone who is crazy, but low place can't talk boxing. H money is just he's I think he's mentally something wrong with him. Like well, he, you know what? He's in the I right place, on... Hamid. This is the asylum, Hamid. We have all sorts on here, all sorts of nutcases, yourself included. Oh, yeah, no yeah, offense. Is a mental asylum. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, then talk boxing to me. What did you see over the weekend? All right, all right. I was just gonna say, what fight was it? Andrade. That was one of the worst fights I've ever seen. I don't ever want to see Andrade fight again. I don't care if he's got a belt. That's a paper belt. We all know Canelo's a clear number one middleweight. He's a lineal, whatever, three, uh, what has he got? Three unified, he's unified three belts. I'd rather see Canelo and Golovkin fight again. If not, I don't mind seeing Canelo and Kovalev fight. I think that's a really good fight. And I think Canelo will probably knock him out. But I would rather see at 175 because... If it's at 170, then I can't give Canelo much credit. Because I think Kovalev's already struggling. But I, I don't mind seeing fights like Charlo against Andrade or Charlo and Trevor G. But I, just because Andrade's got a belt doesn't mean we need to see it. Uh, people get this mistaken with Undisputed. You, you want to see guys become Undisputed, but only when there's clarity, when there's not, not much clarity. Like Joshua Wilder, there wasn't a clear number one. Like you could argue... Wilder might have beaten him or vice versa and Wilder was a champion longer. With Andrade, I, th- I still want to see Andrade fight one of the other guys. I don't mind seeing him and Golovkin fight, but I thought Charlo's fight was okay in terms of Adams. I did see he was much better than Steve Rolls and a couple of the other guys, but Andrade is not someone I, I want to see ever again because that was one of the worst fights I've seen in a long time. And I was yeah. going to see, yeah, what were you going to see? Yeah, Donny's coming in here. Donny's flying in. Well, I mean, with all due respect, are, are you fucking crazy? You want to see Canelo fight Kovalev? 
Yeah, people That's are talking the... about this, Donny. This is a thing. No. No. I mean, that, that's just it's crazy. I mean, Kovalev is big for 175, for Christ's sake. I mean, what are they going to do, fight at 168? I mean, so you're either going to get a drained Kovalev, try to beat up on, on Canelo, or or you're going to have Co- or you're gonna have Canelo jump up to 175 and get get his ass handed to him. I mean, Kovalev's punching power, you know, power is the last thing to go. I mean, Kovalev may not be what he used to be, but he, he would ice Canelo... He can take body shots. I guarantee you, Canelo will knock him off. If you want to wager something, we could do it. Uh, uh, if it's, any any amount of money you want, uh, don't Ka- Kovalev, Kovalev's best chance is outboxing him. Kovalev is not what he was. The guy uh, before the ward fight was a different Kovalev. He's mentally not the same. His body language is not the same. His punch resistance is not the same. The only reason he beat Alvarez in the rematch is just because he's such a skilled boxer. I think the battle will become down to... If Canelo could get on the inside, Canelo wins that fight. And I can't see Kovalev keeping him off with body. You know, those body shots are vicious. Canelo's already fought at 168. I think people are getting misinterpreted. The, I just see him moving up from super middleweight to 175. Canelo's already a big guy. And Danny Jacobs was a big guy as well. I'm not comparing him to Kovalev. But I know Kovalev can punch. Obviously, if Kovalev catches him, we can't knock him out. But... Uh, I think he'll be, it's going to become a boxing match and I think Canelo will be surprise people and Canelo will be the puncher in there. Go on then, Donny, respond to that. I didn't, I didn't even know that people were talking about this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, that, that that's crazy. And uh, thir- third of all, I would also say that, uh, you know, just because, you know, you're saying, oh, well, you're like, oh, well, it's clear. It's clear who the man is at 160 and, you know, I need to see Andre... Uh, fight more people or whatever, you know, he just, you know, last night, basically at middleweight, you've got the top five are pretty clear. You've got uh, Canelo and GGG, uh, you've got uh, Jacobs, and you've got uh, Billy Joe Saunders, and then everybody else pretty much below that isn't all that much. So it's either like he fights those guys or he doesn't, um, you know, select so like his top 10 or whatever. The, the bottom half of that top 10 is soft. And then the top, you know, four or five guys, I mean, those are those are legitimate guys. He needs to fight those people. But, uh, you know, Bernard Hopkins hung at it, and also Marvin Hagler hung out at middleweight for, you know, a great number of years. And what, what would happen was is that as these challengers would prove themselves and work their way up in the ranks and, you know, and create a mandate for them, you know, to be fought by the champion, they would come up and then they would summarily get beaten down. You know, I have no problem with... Uh, with fighting, you know, Andrade after, you know, I think last night I think he proved that he belongs in that that upper echelon that includes all those four guys I just mentioned. Um, you know, I'd have no problem with that. But uh, I rebuttal that. I got I, look. I don't mind seeing that fight. I've seen enough boring guys fight Canelo and trying to stink out the joint. Look, that'll be a good fight because you'll get an undisputed champion. But if Canelo dares to be great to fight Kovalev and knocks him out. I don't want to hear anything, like no excuses or anything, because I've debated a couple of other people and I was on another podcast. A lot of Some people still won't give Canelo credit. I will say this, though. He has to be at 175. I don't want to see uh, any catch rate, but that's, if he beats Kovalev, that's a yeah, great if he, win. If he, fights him, if he fights him at 175 and knocks him out, yeah, I mean, who could, who could possibly quarrel with that? Yeah, no, I agree with you, but I mean... I just don't see that fight happening at 175 with no conditions. I mean, if imagine you're Canelo's manager. I mean, would you agree to that? That's that's the that's a good point. That's what I want to find out. But uh, I have seen, 
I have seen Canelo take risks. Uh, I don't know about 175. It might be at a catch weight, but I hope it's I hope it's not 170 or anything below that. If it's 175, there's then... no way. There's no way Kovalev's getting down under 75. I think I always thought he was tied at 75. I yeah, he'll be, he'll be. There is, yeah, listen, listen. There's, listen, guys. Unless he's getting paid silly amount of money to make 170, there's no fucking chance he's making that weight. That guy is. Listen, if see, see if that was getting made with the full 175 limit, I guarantee you. Kovalev's coming in at that ring 190 minimum, right? And you know Canelo's like he he he's fucking demanding catch weights for fucking Cotto, man. You're talking about fucking fighting Kovalev at 175. Behave. Just want to say, I I heard Kim and Sintron say on a, uh, one of the podcasts. Uh, I think it's grueling truth that when when uh, he fought Canelo, Canelo was walking around 170 that time. I don't think I don't think Canelo's small. Like height, people get mixed up with height and body mass. Kovalev will be the much bigger guy, but he's already been beaten by guys who are smaller and guys who weren't deemed as big punchers. Ward, even though it's a controversial topic, that right hand he landed on him. He was bound to knock him out, I thought, and he hurt him. And he's been down against guys who are not big punchers. Canelo will probably be this much smaller guy on the night, but I think he's big enough to beat him. But I wanted to see, I would rather see that. That's a fight that I'd probably be more intrigued by. It's an interesting one, actually, boss. I tell you one thing, I'd be interested to see about that fight is uh, Canelo's body attack. Because I've always said before, and Steve will even attest to me saying this about uh, yeah, Kovalev's um, no liking to the body, he's, he's yeah. crystal to the body and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting that, you know, to see how Canelo, who I think he dropped fielding, dropped, dropped a number of fighters with left hooks and stuff like that, you know. But it'll be interesting to see how Kovalev would take that shot to the body off, like Canelo, who, if it's at the full 175 limit, you know, which by the way, I would give Canelo a massive, massive respect. By the way, if he took this at one seventy-five, because this catchweight stuff just does does my brain in and stuff like that from time to time. But it's a can big, I see, big yeah. Thing. Can I see? Look, I'm probably getting slagged off. I can see in the chat. But Kovalev, his own trainer, John David Jackson, said he almost knocked him out in span with a body shot. Kovalev's been folded before. Look, Kovalev is probably the bigger boxer. He'll be for Kovalev. He'll have to try and keep the range and use his jab. But Canelo, I've seen him against. Good, good boxers. Look, they're not as big as Kovalev, Danny Jacobs, uh, Gennady Golovkin, but he managed to rough those guys up. And I don't think Kovalev could take a shot like those guys. I know Danny Jacobs' chin is not that good, but he went ultra defensive in that fight. I don't think Kovalev could do that. But I, I got to go. I just wanted to talk one more thing about pay-per-view. I think it's crazy that Pacquiao Thurman is a pay-per-view on the same night as Dilla White and was it Rivas. That's not a pay-per-view... I think Thurman Pacquiao is a good fight. I would wouldn't mind paying for something like that. But four in the morning, you can't be, you can't be doing this. Uh, putting on two pay per views on the same night, and one is an international fight, and they've done this in December with Warrington and. Yeah, yeah, but they're, they're marketing. They're marketing to different audiences. I don't. I mean, except for a few really hardcore British boxing fans, I don't think anyone would really be buying both. That's what I'm trying to say. Who, no, but who is? I don't even think that many people will buy the Thurman fight as well. The, the coverage quality of the ITV uh, cards has, hasn't been that great. There's way too many advert rates in between each round, and I don't think it's worth pay-per-view. If Spence and Mikey wasn't a pay-per-view, even though it was a, uh, deemed as a mismatch, then I don't know how you could turn around and put this on pay-per-view. I think Eddie Hearn has ruined boxing. That now he's got, we've got too many pay-per-views. I, Tut, tut, Hamid, you're being very negative towards Matchroom there. I, just I, I think you should just put everything <laughs> on pay-per-view. Just put Conor Ben on pay-per-view and then let's see what happens then. Conor Ben's pay-per-view date is coming. Don't be under any illusion. <laughs> That's coming. 
All right, all right. It's good speaking to you guys. Like, thank you guys. Yeah, cheers, Hamid. Thanks for coming on. All right, thanks. Cheerio. Boy, boy, boy. Right, a few questions, guys. Uh, anything from next week, which there is very little, and then uh, we'll have the bell you the weeks and get out of here for another evening. Episode 329, Hamid was with us there. Donnie's with us as well. So is Andy. So is Rob. Question on Rigondo. Coming to you very shortly, Rob. Get prepared for that one. Andy, going back to Demetrius Andrade theme, you'll be desperate to hear from Chris Blackman on this one. He said, if they fought, would Billy Joe Saunders avoid that Andrade wild left hand all yes. night or eventually get put down like Selecki? No, he would, he would avoid it. And to be honest, I think that fight is, is a disgusting fight, to be honest, as in, like, boring as fuck. Because, as Rob says, you know, Andrade's just no good to watch. I've said it as well as I'm no interested in watching him. I'd watch him fight Saunders. Um, obviously, it's a technical chess match, that fight. But um, who wins it? Personally, I think it's a 50-50, to be honest. But um, I've got no interest. And as I say, it's like the heavyweight division for me and stuff like that. I'm no watching fights for the heavyweight division unless it's, the, unless it's the top three guys, or top two guys, we should say now, actually. Um, but it's the same, same with this fight as well. You know, We want to see Andrade tested. I want to see him in the better opposition. He's had his gimme fights. He's got his world title. You've had your few easy defences. Let's step up and test yourself. You said you wanted 50-50 fight, Cotto. So... Just step up and just fucking, you know, fight a couple of, couple of name fighters. You know, I, I, again, I, I don't know who, who they're really going to end up fighting. It's probably going to be some sort of, kind of WBO mandatory pick defence and stuff like that. But um, if it's one fight I want to see in middleweight, I want to see Saunders fight. Because we've seen it before as well uh, um, after his last fight, Saunders. He doesn't belong at 168. 160 is his division. If he's in shape, if he's in the right frame of mind and he's training properly. I want to see him fight Andrade next. That would be the fight to be to get made. If not, Andrade against did I say no, it was Charlo against the pole. That's who I was mentioning about possibly getting made. Or Charlo against uh, against Jacobs. But uh, no, I want I want to see um Saunders and uh, hopefully, as I say, if the politics just get put to the side for a wee bit. Because obviously um Warren would want to keep Saunders for his own BT shows and stuff like that. But I want to see Saunders fight uh, Andrade. You know, two technical fighters. So it'll be interesting to see who comes out in the end of it. And to be honest, I've not really got a horse in the race, actually, to be honest, because, you know, sometimes I don't mind, but he's just an irritable, dislikable wee ball bag. You know, him and that kid Galahad, just the way they conducted themselves and that. So I wouldn't be too averse to see him take, a, take an L at some point as well, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, we will. Hamid was mentioning earlier about he would take Charlo against Andrade, and he was sort of making out as if it was, oh, well, I suppose I would take that if it was a last resort. But the current climate of boxing with politics, I actually think Charlo versus Andrade getting made would be an achievement, even the fight of the, uh, Charlo against Jacobs. They, they all seem to be able to stand off at the moment, all these these top fighters. So even to get any of them in the ring together would be, would be an achievement. But as for Saunders, I think we maybe give these guys a pass if they're active, winning, exciting, doing things on a regular basis. But when you're like Saunders, getting popped for whatever he did, not fighting, blowing up in weight, then these things outside of the ring that he gets up to maybe piss people off a little bit more than they usually would. A former pro Matty Clarkson was te- uh, tweeting during the week. I don't know what kind of uh, personal situation he's got himself into, but I thought it was quite funny the way he said, my wife and my ex, who I have a child with, are out tonight on a night out together. I can feel my ears burning from the living room. I'm sure you can. Quite on air on earth he's ended up in that <laughs> situation. Hell. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> you want to be careful where, you, careful where you stick it, I suppose that's the advice. 
uh, we can give everybody on this Sunday evening. Uh, Rob, we've had a question for you. I never put that my from... I just did it anywhere, you know. That didn't really, didn't, didn't matter to me. Worry about the consequences later. Oh, what matter? Didn't matter. You know, tall, short, blonde, black, taller, thin. Didn't matter to me, man. Did the can man? Oh, hi. <laughs> if it breathed. <laughs> Damn man. Uh, Rob, yes, Joseph Kennedy has been in touch over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. He was watching the Rigondo versus Julio Seha fight. He said, yep. Rob, do you think Rigo stood in front and traded with Seha because his footwork isn't there anymore? Or did he want to show us something a bit different? Hold on, Rob, it's quite a long one. I've never seen him take as many clean shots before, but it was a thrilling mm. fight, a poor stoppage notwithstanding. Can we expect something different from El Chacal going forward? Or will we see the slick Cuban style return against the likes of Vargas or Kameda? Um, I think he's onto something there. I think he's onto something. I forgot about the Rigo fight, but I was I did watch it. Um really enjoyed the stoppage from a, a technical execution point of the way that Rigo was throwing that left hand. He was ripping that left hand like and he was shipping some shots in order to, to let it go. I think he's onto something with the footwork. And I think when I was looking at it during the week, I was thinking, is this a bit of because like, we don't really think about it as much with the smaller weights, but like Rigo's best weight is one eighteen. Um, so I don't know what I can't remember what the what weight the Lomachenko fight was at. Was it at one thirty? Did he move up to one thirty for one twenty six? So now he's back down to what one twenty two. I think that going up and down the weights or putting up the weight has taken something out of his legs. Ala Roy Jones, even though it's not as big a jump, but in the smaller weights, that four or five pounds is a big. Wait, actually, um, big guys, was it was it one twenty six or one thirty? I think it was one thirty. I think it was. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So I think like a jump that big for him to get back down to eight pounds or whatever to to one twenty two, um I think we've seen yeah I think Joseph is right I think the 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 spring has gone out of Rigondo's step, and I'm sure he could still move technically and I'm sure he's probably said to himself look I'm going to give him what they want for a change let me go out and bang this guy out like he's going to stand right there so I can look good knocking him out I think that was what the the strategy was behind that matchmaking, um but I think Joseph is right unfortunately I think the Maybe fortunately for the viewers, you know what I mean, um, that that we're, we're not going to see Rigo uh, again as as good as he was. But you know, from an entertainment point of view, we know he can punch. You know, we know he's got a dynamite punch for the weight, and he can even probably carry, he can probably carry that power up a little bit. And the power is the last thing to go, so he could be in exciting fights against those two guys. But I just think without the footwork. Um, he was stumbled a couple of times there, and I don't think that guy's a particularly big punchy, big punching opponent either. So I, I wouldn't rule out seeing Rigo uh, get knocked out down the line, unfortunately. Uh, but I still, I still think he has enough for both of them, even now. Yeah, MB in the chat there, Donny was saying that he thought Rigo was trying to make it more entertaining. I would side maybe with Azia, who seems to think that the legs have gone. My impression, Donny, was that Rigo did look a bit sluggish. Well, I was going to say, it just might be a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. In other words, all right, he just had an embarrassing loss against Lomachenko not too long ago, where basically, I think you could very credibly argue he could quit. He quit. He did quit. Uh, and, you know... Well, he most, most certainly jacked it. Yeah, he definitely jacked it. No yeah. shadow of a doubt. So, I mean, you know, he's probably thinking, well, you know, uh, how do I get back in the good graces of boxing fans? Well, let me put on a show that's exciting. I'll get in there, I'll mix it up, and I'll knock somebody out. And he does have power, especially down at 118. He does he does have power down at that weight. Um, so, you know, there's that. And then there's also the fact that, yeah, he probably is slipping a bit. I mean, 
however old any Cuban boxer is, just add add three or four years, uh, because we always know that they're always a little bit older than they uh, claim to be because of the way that the Cubans game the amateur system. So, you know, he probably isn't what he used to be, and he probably is more susceptible to being hit. But at the same time, I just I think that his goal here was to put on a show and to make people talk about him again, and that succeeded because, as you can see, we're talking about him right now. Yep, we're not talking about him anymore. That's the end of Rigo chat. Andy, next Saturday evening, Kazakhstan. This is the levels we're having to drag up here. Uh, David Oliver Joyce is fighting against a guy called Terran. He yeah, seems to be a bit popular. Seems to be popular over in uh, Kazakhstan. Joyce, he fought there before, didn't they? They're trying to get him fights here, there and everywhere, I suppose, because um, promotional issues. This Sultan Zorbek, they've been pushing him on the email, saying he's quite good. And Zankosh Turov, heard from a few people, he's quite good, super lightweight, 23-0. and 0. But I suppose the most interesting one on this card, Andy, is Nordi yeah. Mubali. Yeah, we saw. saw him, he stepped out, didn't he, against Roshi Warren in the last one, and he's in against his Villanova. Seems to remember, did Villanova fight Zalani? Tete at one I point, I want to say that he yep. did in Leicester Arena. There you go, just bought he it up. Neri as well. actually decent. He yep. fought Neri as well, and I'm sure he's got a winner. One of the Filipinos, um, obviously a Filipino himself, but it's one of the top end Filipinos I'm talking about. Oh, Richie, something I forget his fucking name. Oh, uh, Richie Mepronorm. Yeah, is that I think he's one of the kind of more kind of highly, well, not highly rated, but making kind a of more top end Filipino fighters. He fought McJoe Arroyo as well, but he did lose that one. He's, he's decent enough, isn't he, Villanova? And I like the look of Ubali. I think he's got skills and he can punch a bit. Yeah, he's a decent fighter, mate, in all honesty. You know, top amateur back in the day. Um, obviously, I get, I'm pretty sure Colin beat him, actually. I forget. I mean, he even in the Olympics or the Europeans. I forget which one, but he's lost a number of fights to Zhao Ximing. And obviously, he'd uh, entered into the World Series of Boxing, but I remember that as well. I just find it odd that you know, that, you know, he's basically campaigned pretty much. His entire, obviously, he's Moroccan descent, so he's obviously fought Morocco once and stuff. But I just find them, I just find it weird that he's getting shipped away out to, way out to Kazakhstan when I, I'm pretty certain there's Tony Okano fighting soon, or is it next month in France? I, I, I really don't know why he's not having his first defence in his own country. For God's sake, that just doesn't make sense to me. You know, so especially against a Filipino fighter and that as well. So unless no, there's been cross-promotional cross, cross deals made and stuff like that. I just don't get it. Um, You're right, Andy. Following week, uh, Tony Yoker is fighting the ever-dependable Alexander Dimitrenko. Oh, there you go. And uh, my guy, Suzuko, is he fighting on that card as well? Suleiman Suzuko, is he fighting on that card? Uh, this, let's have a look, shall we? I think it's in the outer parish suburbs. Yes, Suleiman Suzuko, 9-0. Yeah. He's going on against Jose Carlos Paz. I recognise him. Did he... Who did he fight? Did he uh, fight? He's one of the. I'm sure he's one of the overhyped. Fowler, didn't he fight Anthony Fowler? Fowler, Easton, and a couple other fighters, Easton, pretty yeah. early, mate. It but is him, Andy, right? Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a, he's got a padded record. I'm fucking certain that he's got something like forty odd wins with five defeats or something like that. <clears throat> yeah, if Fowler's beat him and there's somebody else. It's not an American. It's another British fighter. Oh, it doesn't matter anyway. But as I say, is um. Yeah, this card, um, I, I, I thought uh, O'Bally may have been best suited in his own country and stuff like that. This, uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to lay siege on this card. I, I know nothing about it. I just found it kind of quite interesting to see these two fighters fighting in a card in Kazakhstan. It's just, it just odd to me, you know, just, you know, especially when he's a, when he's a world champion having his first defence. You'd think he'd maybe try and get him fighting somewhere near you know, his hometown, or as you say, mate, on that card that uh, Tony Yoko's fighting with Mrs. Oko and that as well. It's just, just odd to me. 
as I said earlier, there isn't really anything to get the old blood racing we're next get, weekend. We're getting, we're getting to that point of the year now, mate. It's just that it's mm. July next well, it's July the morning, isn't it? The first July in the morning. Yeah. It's usually the kind of end of season for us at the minute, isn't it? End of July. We usually keep running, but we usually only do an hour or so, don't we? Due in yeah. July, August and all those type of months, yeah. Uh, Germany has a card, though. Thelani Mabenge, 15-0, welterweight. It's one of these IBO things against Sebastian Formella, who's 20-0. So at least they're both undefeated, putting their records on the line. Igor Machalkin, who fought Kovalev at one point, is going in against Timor Nikarkoev. And the only other one of interest, Andy, that I found, unless you saw anything on the list, was Tommy Frank over in Sheffield. Seems to be building up a nice record, talking about him, him fighting up. against Sonny Edwards. Yeah, he's going in against Jemzy Kibazangi, Commonwealth title. Frank knocked out Luke Wilton, so he came on my radar then. And as I said, they're, they're talking about he may be fighting Sonny Edwards at some point. So unless I'm missing anything, that seems to be everything from next weekend. Yeah, as I say, it's pretty much dead next week. I, um, I was just trying to think off the top of my head. I know Coke anyways fighting. I think it's either Tuesday or Wednesday. There's, um, I think there's some sort of card on Thursday, but I forget who's fighting. Give me a second to just go and pull this up, actually. Oh, just Danish, while you're bringing it up, actually, Danish Andy. Card. I found it. I found it. It's the Danish card. Oh, Mickey card. Nielsen. Yeah, Mickey Nielsen. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Um, you know, um, Holskin's sister, I think she's fighting on the, on the undercard. Mm -hmm. And um, the one fighter I've always been, I've been keeping Ben up to date when that Michael Kessler's fighter, Abdul Khatib, kid was born in Palestine. Uh, obviously, he's located to Copenhagen and stuff like that. He's fighting... Um, the ever durable pole, Rafael. How do you pronounce his surname again? Uh, Jackowicz. Jackowicz. Oh, is that him who fought uh, Kel Brook? He fought Brook. Uh, he fought Brook. He's fought all like, uh, you know, Kel Branco and Jojo Dan and all the guys and that. So, you know, Khatib's always had this problem with his gas tank and stuff. And it's only as an eight rounder and that. To be honest, he's, I don't think the kids are even going to get get it to European level. If he gets a Scandinavian or a Danish title and that, then he's doing well there. But. This to me, if he doesn't get past this fight, in all honesty, I think I'm not going to say he should call it a day, but any title aspirations that he's got, if he loses this fight, I think is it's over because this, this poll, I think he's fifth, he's pulled up his record here 50, 23, and two. So he's, he doesn't get stopped much, but he does lose a number of fights. Diane Diglum beat him in his last fight, Mohamed Rabi beat him two fights before that, who was a decent amateur, and um, it's just Troy Williamson's beat him. He's lost numerous fights to Robert Sazbinski, Ruben Diaz has beat him. Um, who else we got here? As I say, Jojo, uh, Jojo Dan, the Polish fighter who's highly ranked at middleweight at the minute. Uh, Matt Camille Zizmatte. Branco's beat him. Um, Leonard Bundo knocked him out as well. So um, I think for this kid, if he doesn't beat him, it's, uh, it's, it's no boding well for, his, uh, for, for title fights and that. I think you mentioned Mohamed Rabi there. He's maybe signed with Gary Hyde. At he one has. Uh, yeah, I think he still is. Maybe. Uh, where am I? Seems to have gone off the radar. Maybe just my radar. I don't know. But uh, they're talking about Tony Yoku in the chat. Chase Athletics mentioned that. Yeah, but is Tony Yoku suspension lifted? Uh, it's one of the strangest uh, situations, that suspension thing with Yoku. Because he slags everybody week. else off, doesn't he? <laughs> I, I think he got banned. For, I forget what it was. I think... Does missing a test, I think. Yeah, I think he, he missed, missed too many. He, he missed three tests, I believe it was, that's what it is. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Somebody can correct me on it. Mm, but it's three, yeah, three so. tests, and he got banned for a year. And this is this is his year ban up now, I think. Yeah, so he's probably saying, "Well, I haven't failed a test, but I mean, flip me if you you know missing three tests, then there's questions to be asked, I suppose, isn't there? He needs to sort that out." 
Right, let's get on to belly of the weeks, and then we shall finish up, everybody. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, I'm not here next week. Hey, today we'll be in the hot seat, so get ready for those delights of hey today. Gabe will be on as well, helping him out. So, yeah, I'm away. I'm away for the week. Belly of the weeks. Rick Law came in with the first one. Uh, Prince Patel. Someone on Instagram said, "Fan of you, Prince, since day one. You will smash the IBO World Title fight. I'm a Princeaholic." Prince Patel seemed to like this one. In a world full of chicks trying to be Kim Kardashian and dudes trying to be Thanos, try being a princeaholic. Hashtag quote, hashtag meme, hashtag male, loves the hashtags, hashtag positive, hashtag vibes. We can all become princeaholics maybe and follow hashtag Prince Patel around the go. fucking die, man. <laughs> but if you just, can we just end this right now and say that we'll give it the uh, Coog and Cassius? Man. One million percent. By the way, I've got a hundred million percent. I've got a funny story off the back end of this, by the way, if we're going to nominate this one, because I've got a story I'm telling you right now, Patel would not come out, and I'll tell you the reason why. Just come back to me on it. Okay, I'll keep going, and then whenever I need a drink of water or something, yep. Andy, I'll bring you in to help me out. Uh, Ryan Younger has nominated Huey Fury for fighting Samuel Peter on this Jeddah undercard, uh, where Amir Khan is going in against Billy Dib. Belly of the week for this shit show, surely, said Ryan Younger. Yes, happy to get on board with that one, Ryan. Uh, who's been going back and forward? Tommy Coyle and Ryan Garcia. I've always fancied getting on the Ryan Garcia chest and seeing if he's a proper Mexican, says Coyle. He tagged him to zone and match room. He fancies that one. Jay Shacker jumped in. Garcia doesn't need that fight. Tommy Coyle is all wrong for you. All out war. Harold Anand. Nominated Jay Shacker for that comment. Ryan Garcia does seem like he's interested in that. Garcia against Tommy Coyle. I'd like to see Coyle retire, to be honest, but Garcia would beat him. Uh, Danny Robson, Dr. Popolowski, has nominated Vladimir Klitschko, the former world heavyweight boxing champion, was forced to evacuate a boat after it caught fire, according to Buzz.ie. I don't know if Shannon Briggs was in the vicinity at the time. Maybe he was. Richard Barnes was talking back and forward with Enzo Macrinelli about the Oscar de la Hoya Floyd Mayweather fight, uh, 2000. And Seven, possibly off the top of my head. Richard Barnes thought that De La Hoya had done enough. I still say he beat Mayweather that night. Uh, was very unlucky not to get the decision. Chad Hogan nominated him for that. What do we need in boxing, everybody? More belts, I hear you cry. I'm fully on board with you. Gavin Graney has nominated WBC for their WBC Franchise Championship. And they've also introduced a sympathy belt. If you go over to facebook.com forward slash boxing asylum, you can see our own little mock up there. But the franchise belt is real. Canelo is the champion. And they get a cut of his future purses as well. So well done to the WBC. A, the, and you know what? The WBC, the fucking cheek of them to give him the franchise belt. When he said before, when they mandated the Golovkin fight, I'll never, I, I vacate this belt and I'll never fight for it again. And mm. now they're all back in bed with, with, with Canelo, they were the first ones backing him at the Mexican meat scandal. And now they're just making up a belt and giving it to him. It's pathetic. Like. WBC are indeed pathetic, says Rob Kelly. Uh, Danny Robson has nominated Marcus McDonnell. BT Sport put out a social experiment. If you come across this post, tell us who you think the greatest British boxer of all time is. The referee Marcus McDonnell jumped in. Joe Calzaghe. Well, fair enough, but he's reasoning 46 fights, 46 wins, 32 by KO, inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Joe did not dodge anyone. He beat Eubanks, Kessler, Hopkins, Roy Jones Jr. when they were all in their prime, says Marcus <laughs> McDonald. I think maybe Kessler, Rob, was in his prime. Not sure about the yeah. other three. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the B-Hop one looks better over time, even though I thought he lost that fight over time because of because of what B-Hop went on to do after he lost to Kazagi, but Roy Jones was a ghost of Roy Jones when they fought. Like, 
And Eubank was fucking spent as well, I think, wasn't it? Was it coming to the end, even though that was a good win. But yeah. well, Jones was Jones was that spent oh. though, wasn't he? Calzaghe had said in his autobiography years earlier that he wouldn't fight Jones because he was too short. Yeah, but the thing is, Eubank took a fight in like a week's notice or five yes, days' yes. notice, and he came down for mm. like one eighty to make that fight because I think he hung about up at cruiserweight or something like that, trying to get another fight with somebody else. I need to go back mm. and check that, but. I remember, I remember see you back. Eubank was a cunt for making weight and middleweight. But I remember once he, he I seen him or I read comments, or, you know, to uh, what's his name, Jim Rosenthal. He was so bad at cutting the weight. He said to Jim Rosenthal, "Jim, my eyeballs feel dry." <laughs> Fucking hell, man! That tells you how bad you are. Eh? Bad Lee Silver. Oof. Go on, Don. Well, I was going to say number one is that uh, Tommy Allen would. Uh, disagree dramatically uh but uh number two is is that uh wait what number two what's number two donny we all want to know come on number two is a big shite that's what that is <laughs> <laughs> lee the alcoholic foch made a good point in youtube he said the amount of people who call you bank you banks is getting a bit weird yeah i agree with that what was happened to donny i think he's been iced his wife spoke to him there i'm sure oh she's laid down the law his wife is a big Calzaghe fan. <laughs> okay, we'll leave Donny for now, shall we? He doesn't look like he's not showing any signs of coming back, any signs of life. Uh, Sky Sports, plenty of signs of life from them. They were talking about Conor Ben, the destroyer hashtag. Uh, Prince Patel would like that hashtag, the destroyer, after he beat Kavula. Daniel Gillen was excited about the future. I could see no, uh, Conor Ben versus Chris Eubank Jr. in the future. I can see the headlines already. Potentially a huge fight in the future if things pan out. Says Daniel Gillen. Ben North is nominated for that. I don't think Conor Ben is going to be fighting Chris Eubank Jr. anytime soon. Uh, all of the belts were talking about Mayweather versus Canelo, 2013. Never forget, never forget how good Floyd was. Masterclass. Todd James said, "No, I'm a Triple G man, but Canelo was weight drained and young. Prime for prime, the guy destroys Floyd." Patrick has nominated Todd James for that one. Uh, Box royalty has nominated Anthony Fowler. Fowler got involved with somebody who was asking about CBD oil. DM me and I'll help you out, says Anthony. Mini Eddie here, says Box Royalty. They would punt his dog for a nugget. Wait, <laughs> Yo. I was going to say, sorry, I got cut off there for a little while. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but the, the missus hit you. Pardon? But the missus hit you. No, she said. Did she asked me if it was coming to the wedding or no? <laughs> no. Well, I wish you were. We're all going. I'm coming. Patreon. I wasn't even invited. Patreon, baby. We're all going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the Patreon money, maybe that's possible. Uh, but uh, no, actually, no. What I was saying was is that um, uh, with, with with respect to Kalzaki, when you said that he beat a prime Roy Jones or whatever, uh, I'm just uh, all I can remember though is is that scene from the dressing room of uh, Kalzaki's son, who's watching. You know, YouTube had just come out, right? And he's watching these like videos of like you know highlight videos of Roy Jones Jr. in his prime, and Calzaki's son starts crying his eyes out, and he says, "Dad, you can never beat Roy Jones Jr." And uh, Joe Calzaghe said, "Don't worry, son. He's not that good anymore." <laughs> <laughs> Is that true? That's on recording, and you can look it up. It happened. <laughs> It happened. <laughs> okay, bye, Tompkins. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. There you go. 
Uh, also, Donnie, you'll be pleased to hear announcement. Jason Chukwu is in the chat, Donnie. Uh, Donnie, Jason Chukwu is in the chat. Well, it's always good. It's always a good week when Chukwu is in the chat. It certainly is. Chukwu is not fight me or something, Well, no, he said, he said, Rob. Chukwu said, I missed the card yesterday due to sleep. So there you go. Moving on, everybody. What? What'd you say, Don? That's a good reason. Good reason, exactly. You stay with us, Don. Coming to you very shortly. Uh, Daniel Gillen has uh, been nominated again by Wooly Skull for his chat. He thinks that they can definitely get this uh, Eubank against Ben fight on. Christine Frampton was talking about people going to boarding school. Michael Buffer jumped in. It's not really Buffer tweeting, is it? It's one of the one of the lackeys. British boxing bo- blog nominated him for that. David Wright says, hot as shit outside. But I'll cool myself down with these Anthony Fowler tickets. And then he had a bunch oh, of about I've seen ten that in his hand. Bastard, baby. <laughs> Chad Hogan nominated him because I think it was the next day or something. The Fowler fight had no, been cancelled. He, 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 he took it well though because I, I, I messaged him and I said to him, "He's he still heated, mate." I said, "Fucking gutted, man." But he took it well, you know. That's what you want, you know. He took the piss out of somebody, but. But he had like six, seven tickets, eight tickets from that. I don't know. I, I forgot to check the prices of them actually, but fucking hell. Hopefully, they weren't there like 120s or 300 pound tickets. Like, oh dear, poor fella. But yeah, he did, Andy's right. He did take it well. Uh, Rob Harding has nominated Ryan Walsh. All the belts put up the video. Ryan Walsh entering the ring tonight, smooth as fuck. R- Walsh tried a little jump into the ring and he had, he had a couple of stumbles, unfortunately. Stay humble and you never stumble. Don't try that again, Ryan, if I was you. He went a bit Prince Nazim. Rossi Beardsworth was loving David Allen. Apparently someone's put on Allen's Wikipedia. Um, David Allen is nicknamed the Top Shagger. Allen is known for his toughness inside the sheets and is a two-time Commonwealth heavyweight title challenger. As of May 2019, he is ranked the best heavyweight in the United Kingdom and the best heavyweight in the world rankings, according to Babe Station. Joe Lanz has nominated that for the edit of Wikipedia. Uh, Chad Hogan has nominated Curtis Woodhouse. Woodhouse is getting on board. Luke Campbell win over Lomachenko. Agree 100%, says Curtis. I think Luke is well worth a bet. I fancy him. But if Woodhouse is putting his money down on Luke Campbell to beat Lomachenko, then maybe that's why his uh, little betting service didn't go too well. Maybe it's still going. I don't know. Uh, Ryan Stevens is getting on board. A potential fight between Anthony Fowler and Lawrence Acoli would be a quality fight, says Ryan. Fowler <laughs> against Acoli. <laughs> Matt Simpson's nominated him for that one, Rob. Where do you even start? I don't know. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead, man. You're breaking up. I think I'm breaking up, am I? No, you're fine. I Maybe can't. I'm breaking I, up. Sorry. Oh, yeah, okay. No, I said, I heard Chuck, Chuck was wanting to fight me, man. Chuck was wanting to fight me. I, he said, catch weight at 190. I can make 190, no problem. I you just tell him I'd be hot, but I would never lose to a fellow man. <laughs> <laughs> We did lose you slightly there, Rob, but I know that you're ready to rumble with Chukwu, so I'll pass the message on to him. Rob Kelly, everybody. Ready to fight with Jason Chukwu. In the chat, Oscar De La Hoya is up for a fight as well. He was a fine fighter in his day, De La Hoya. For anybody who's only sees him as this sort of drink-addled promoter now wearing fishnet tights, don't be fooled. Oscar was the real <laughs> deal. Oscar was the real deal, man. You don't need me to tell you that. Robbie was one hell of a fighter, no matter what he says now. He was brilliant. I was brilliant, yeah. Brilliant entertainment. I don't think he was ever really in a bad fight. Like, not too many anyway. Not too many stinkers. Fought everybody as well. So, up the weights, down the weights, you name it. Fishnets without fishnets. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Top man, De La Hoya was. Oscar's a serious dude. I, I only mentioned that because I saw someone on Twitter the other day slagging him off, and they, you, could, you could see that they're just no, treating him off. No, you can't slag Oscar off. But it's like a younger guy, Andy, like he's treating him just like a promoter. Who, you know, he talks shit now, and like you're like a sort of doddery yeah. old man. But don't, yeah, we, I don't remember that. El De La Hoya, man. He was class. I understand that because I, I, could, I could give him shit for like, what he's saying here about um, the situation with Ruiz and... Joshua, you know, he's talking about how it's not been signed off yet and there's problems trying to get the contract made, but, you know, end of the day, Oscar's a promoter, he talks shit, right? And uh, we've all gave him shit as well at the same time, but as a fighter, anybody who is a boxing fan, either going back 20, 30, 40, 50 years, or if you're a boxing fan over the last couple of years, if there's one fighter you want to go and watch over the last 20 years, you need to watch, it's Oscar De La Hoya. That guy, you say, went from super feather to middleweight. Right. He fought the peak fighters at their prime: Hopkins, Sturm, Trinidad. I mean, fuck man. You know, what more do you want for the guy? The guy, you know, Floyd Mayweather's probably Mayweather, Mosley, oh, Fargas. twice. He fought Mosley twice and stuff like that. His peak. Pacquiao, probably juiced up as well, probably. Pacquiao at his peak. Mayweather at his Mayaga, peak. Mayorga, Vargas, proper grudge match. You know, come on, man. You cannot shut in that guy as a fighter. Never. I'm not, I would, you see in this podcast, I would never allow it. I don't even host it. I don't even own it, but I would never allow it to happen. Well said, Andy. So anyway, let's shit on Oscar De La Hoya for Belly of the Week here. <laughs> no, we're not actually. Dil- Dylan Roberts has nominated um, Eddie Hearn because Oscar had a go at Eddie this week. Uh, he said, let me worry about Canelo and his opponent, which doesn't involve you. You worry about securing the rematch for Joshua with Ruiz for DAZN, which I hear you are having problems with. So De La Hoya still landing those left hooks on Eddie. All those years later, a boxing bet guru was nominated Active Aussie uh, for certain comments. I haven't quite screenshotted it. Oh, Active Aussie was asking if Stephen was on the crack. I don't know if he's talking about me or not, but I'm certainly not on the crack, sir. But the crack is flowing here tonight on the asylum, everybody. Uh, British boxing blog is nominated McLovin. That's the problem with the phones. You can't always screenshot them when it's a long rant. But he was talking about Usyk anyway. We'll just flick on past that one. Uh, Chris Lynch was talking about, was it Andrade, I think, about Josh Taylor. Let's just flick on past that as well, shall we? Max Stoke nominated it. That's all the ones I've got, Andy. You have a Canelo one for us, I believe. No, it was Coogs, wasn't it, you wanted to go in on? Yeah, you know, Coog, I'd obviously be down on what was said, what was done, or what was supposed to have happened between Coog and Cassius and uh, Prince Patel. But uh, I know I know Patel was a bit um, a loudmouth, talk some shit and stuff like that, and I want to see him get iced and that, but... Uh, Coogan needs to realise here something by the way. There's, you know, I'll let you into a story. I was an eight, eight-year-old laddie, right? And there was a guy locally to me, uh, ex-British flyweight champion. Frankie Jones was his name, right? At his peak, eight and a half stone, right? Guy was a minor. Orangeman. Rob will love this one, by the way, right? He got iced off uh, Johnny Caldwell for Belfast. He was a uh, Republican, big Celtic man as well, right? So. Kidding. Yeah, so <laughs> Frank, Frankie being the proud proud man that he was, he was getting jipped this day in the pub, right? Uh, off a few boys. Now, ah, imagine getting beat off a Republican and all that sort of stuff, you know. This guy who's getting abused in that was 17 stone five. And the reason I know this story is because my fucking grandfather told me, and I was fucking, I was nearby as well because I saw the aftermath of it. So the boy wouldn't let up on Frankie Jones, flyweight as I says, right? And this Frank, uh, Fr- Frankie, as I says, was eight, nine stone between fights, worked in the pits, solid grafter in his fucking prime. 
And this fucking drunk says to him, oh, you're a fucking bum getting knocked out off a fucking pim like that. Aye, well, see that see that bigot? That bigot was lying on his arse with it after one punch of a flyweight. So, Coogan, you better watch what you're saying because at the end of the fucking day, these guys are trained fighters. They train to throw punches, they train to take punches. Now, unless you're going to get Daniel Kinahan to give you a hand to give this guy a fucking kicking, watch with your mouth because as I could see it, what, he, what you said to him was... Nothing, nothing really fazed him. So just watch what you say. Plus, plus he's sitting there. He's getting ready for a fight. He's at the press. He's 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 getting his hands wrapped. Or he's at a press conference. He's getting ready to do a fight. He's not going to get up and have a scrap with a fucking IFL camera holder, uh, YouTube guy or whatever, a couple of days before a fight and not have his fight. Plus, he's an eight stone man, like Andy said. You're fucking six foot six or something, Coogan. You know what I mean? You're going over to an eight stone man, telling him you're going to kick, uh, cave his head in when there's security there. But you didn't go up and tell Tyanne Boot you were going to cave his head in. And he's been saying that nothing, but you have bent legs and all sorts of, and you're pouting and pouting and pouting. But you're not, you paid him restitution for the video views that he called you out on. You went down and put money in his hand after he said on a camera, you have bent legs and you're cheating on your wife. And he said he didn't do nothing about it. He doesn't do anything to Dillian White or any of these guys. He's not facing them down. Now, you're not fooling anybody with that. I'll cave your head in. You want to go cave anyone's heading. You know what I mean? And you want, like Andy said, you want to watch it looking for it with a pro fighter because you get a box in the jaw that you won't even know, but you won't even feel or see coming. And that'll be so, the end of it. Rob, Rob, sorry to interrupt you. What exactly happened then? Just to, I know you've gone over it more or less there. But I, ju- I just saw the clip. I don't know what the context is. And like he may well be in his rights to confront. But if you're confronting, like me as a bigger fella, if I'm confronting, there's no stat in knocking out some small guy. Like you can do that in a better way. But what he was doing was confronting him and the security were getting in between. He was like, let me add him kind of thing. And he says, if you say it again, I'm going to cave your head in. Now, I said, like I said, I don't know what Prince Patel said. He could have said something woeful. But keep that same energy for the likes of Tyan Booth and all those other fighters that if you're going to be that way or else just do it in a different way because you're the guy behind the camera, dude. You're not in the ring. You know what I mean? That one's going to end up bad for you. Keep fucking, keep saying the fighters that you're going to cave their head in and see what happens. Well, what, what I will say, Rob, I will refer people back to, I can't remember the episode now, but Tommy versus Coogan. Whenever Coogan come on and was going for Tommy, expecting Tommy yeah, to I'll shit it. <laughs> well, we all heard that one. Aye. We all heard that one. He was like, all he could say was, hi, man, Tommy, ain't you? As he, as he froze, to, it turned into, into, into ice on the call because Tommy wasn't having it. And the, sa- the same, didn't he say to someone in London, or oh, where are you right now? Let me know when you're in London. We go meet up. And the man was like, I'm in London right now. And Coogan, what did Coogan do? He blocked him. <laughs> that showed him. Six stone, man. Go I was, was, was going to say, I actually brought up the, the box rate rankings for Sri Lanka. Do you know there's not one single fighter ranked from man, uh, sorry, from minimum weight to heavyweight? So Coogan's got his chance to step in here and be the pound-for-pound pound lineal king of fucking Sri Lanka here, by the way, if he's top his Prince Patel. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, you talking about the box set rankings reminds me of one of them Porky Rust videos recently. I was yeah, laughing. Eddie he, was going, he was going through the matchroom card in your call, and he, he come on to, oh, was it Shannon Courtney? And she, she's the only fighter, like, at her weight in Britain. I think it's, like, bantamweight. And then he went to her opponent, and her opponent's, like, ranked the lowest... Bantamweight in the whole world, mm-hmm. and Porky Ross was going. Well, you know, I mean, Coogan is probably the best pound for pound in Sri Lanka, but you know, sadly, there's no statue of him uh, sitting there in the capital with bent legs. He's Boxrec eight ninety three. I've no problem with Coogan, by the way, but just you know, P- Patel might be a lot of things. In the as a professional fighter, he knows how to throw punches. I've not seen him fight for quite a wee while now. Actually, when you need to think about it. 
But as I say, I'm giving you that I, example. If Frankie Jones, what he did to a big man who's a non-qualified fighter, right? Frankie was British champion. He'd fought fighters who had actually challenged for world titles and stuff like that. He'd fought illegally up in the pits, up in the braze, to settle scores and for extra bits of money, just like Jimmy Wilde did back in the 1910s and stuff like that. The, you know, the proper Bevan boys, right? Watch what you're fucking saying, Coogan. <laughs> I'm telling you. One of these days, as Rob says... It's no the it's no the it's no the big guys or the fucking great guys. It's the guys who know how to throw a fucking punch. And you didn't see it coming. What's it? What's it all saying? You didn't need power to knock someone out. It's if you didn't see it's the punch. You didn't see, don't see. Yeah, I'm telling I tell you, you, I spied with Oshin Fagan, who's what Oshin's best weight was what nine stone maybe right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And we said we wouldn't we wouldn't hit we wouldn't do headshots because I so much more weight than Oshin or whatever. We're only having to move around like. But well, we said we'd hit to the body. And I did all right with him. I was so, so much bigger than us. Like, it was hard for him to get in. But he fucking hit me in the ribs with a left hook to the body. And he fucking lifted me. And I, what, like 14, I was 14 and a half stone at the time. He's, what, nine stone. And he hit me in the left, with a left hook. And it almost, I can, I can feel me breakfast coming up. Like, and he wasn't even, he didn't even rip the body. You know what I mean? He just, he just caught me nice. Like, so, yeah, like we said, you know what I mean? Watch what you say, you do. Because you could be on somebody else's. You could be on behind the gloves. Sprawled out with Michelle J. Michelle Joy Phelps going, ha, 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 ha. Um, after Prince Patel knocks your lights out. Like, you're getting the same treatment as Paul Spadafora and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. there, Rob. Then, yeah, yeah, the fucker, little Oshin, the bastard. <laughs> it's good, lad, though. Uh, any more nominations? Anybody, Rob, you got anything for us? No, I was firmly, I was firmly going for Coogan this week the minute I saw that clip. Like, Preposterous, yeah. So he's belly of the week this week. Yeah, I saw people talking about that, but I didn't know the context. So the boys have sorted it out there. Uh, who was I going to go for? I'm trying to flick back through them now. I like the Dave Allen one. I thought Ryan Walsh trying to jump over the ropes and making a pig's ear of it. But at least he, he had a laugh again, as Andy said earlier. He had a laugh to himself. So you can't take yourself too seriously in this game, Andy. Any more nominations from you? No, mate. I'm just wanting to vote for um, Coogan. Well, that's two for Coogan then. What about you, Donny? Any nominations, or do you just want to go straight to the voting? Looks like Coogan could be a winner this week. I'll go straight to Coogie Bear. Straight to Coogie Bear from Donny. In the background there somewhere. In his car, hiding out. I'll go for Coogan as well. Why not? Clean sweep for the big lad, maybe getting back on the pod. He came on a few times back in the day. It wasn't just Tommy versus Coogan. He sat with us for about an hour and a good hour at one point with Rob Palmer on the call, Andy. Remember those days? He, he messaged me privately saying he wanted to come on the show immediately. So I actually had to end the podcast one Sunday and then restart another one just so I could get talk. That's what happened to Tommy V. Coogan, best on pay per view, at a link that we, did, we created at the time. But uh, in the days, does anybody know a Sri Lankan that can fight apart from the Tamil Tigers? Anybody? <laughs> No. Well, I know one thing, Andy. I did cut out the clip for uh, episode 300, so I'll try and find it for the future weeks and yeah. I'll play the little couple of minutes of Tommy and Coo going back, back and forward for nostalgia. Coo could, could end up like that guy that tried to square up the Rocky Lockridge one time outside the, outside the liquor store <laughs> in the market. <laughs> yeah, he didn't do that twice. Okay, well done, Coogan. Congratulations to you. As I said, I won't be here next week. Dave Loback will be in the chair alongside Gabe. 
So I'll be back on the uh, 8th, 15th, will it be? Something like that anyway. You'll, you'll hear me again at some point, unless I die. In that case, you'll never hear from me ever again. Thanks for Rob Kelly for coming on. Also to Donny Baseball, good to hear from you again. Andy Patterson, Asylum, Asylum Stalwart, always with us. H Money came on earlier as well, so did Hamid. And we also had James Branch Jr. Spoke well, good luck to him in the future. I've been Steve Wellings. We'll catch you all again in the chat, on the iTunes, on the YouTube. Don't forget to hit a like wherever you listen. A like and subscribe. We'll catch you the same place, same time next week. Bye.